Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. It's that time of the week again. The Rugby League rant, fifth and last. Put on your headgear, chuck in your mouth guard, and get ready for an hour of nothing but NRL tour. We are back for another week of the fifth and last NRL podcast and another crazy round of football boxhead. It was crazy. We, uh, I guess, had the fortune, didn't we, of going to Jubilee? Not probably the fortune for you in that you... Um, I'm always keen didn't, to go. Didn't get the result, but um, that was a pretty cool atmosphere. There were a <clears throat> crap load of people there. It was uh, really good. Nice suburban ground. Uh, we got out a little bit early, so we avoided the traffic. Got there to watch some of the ISP. It was good. Love getting out. We've, so we've been to Jubilee and Shark Park yeah. this year. So from now on, we're not going to Melbourne games because yeah. I've, I've attended twice and they've oh, lost two times. So oh, I'll, I'll do what I usually do. I'll stay away. It could just be the opposite, like me. Like your team's just shit. doesn't matter whether you go or not. Yeah, I don't know. It's still a quality game, like I said before. <laughs> Disappointing or not, it's always good to go to big days like that with two quality teams. There was yeah. a massive crowd when we went to Shark Park. Bit of rivalry there from a couple of years ago. Then the other day, obviously, probably the two most dominant sides from what we've seen early doors. Two best attacking teams, two best defensive teams. We went there. Not quite the game we were hoping for, but I was still happy to see the Dragons up close and personal. Um, and they played very, very well. So. Yeah, oh, they were good. They were super, man. They, they're, a, uh, they're an impressive footy team. 100%. No doubt about it, so... Well, kicking things off as we always do with our set of six and tackle one, pretty simple and straightforward point. The injury woes just continuing for Penrith. And I chucked the Warriors into this as well. I know Penrith fans are out there stomping their feet going, oh, we've got more injuries. I get that. But for New Zealand, they still have had a decent amount of injuries as well. And then from the weekend, Luke plays after saying he was going to be out for a month, uh, ends up popping his shoulder. Sean Johnson's only just got back after missing a couple of games. He's got syndesmosis. I'm told it's on a lower grade, so maybe only a couple of weeks. Adam Blair went off injured. He's been named this week, as has Luke again. But do they play? I don't know. Uh, For Penrith, it just won't stop. Marin with the compound fracture or the dislocated finger. He's been named somehow after they said he needed to have surgery. So I don't know what the go is there. And then it comes out today that Moses Leota is going to be out for about eight weeks with a pec injury. So they've got to the point now where I was listening to Gus's podcast the other day. Tim Brown's retirement opened up a spot that they needed to be able to upgrade Cade Ellis into the top 30 because he technically wasn't available to them last week, even though they wanted to play him. So he's now in their top 30. Jack Hetherington got himself suspended um, only after a handful of games in. So they're really, really stretched. But I must say, for all the players that are missing, for the Panthers, I give them a massive round of applause again the other night for coming back from being down, given the circumstances. They were great again. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, both sides um, have handled their injuries really, really well. And, well, Penrith more so than the Warriors. And the question probably is, is will this signify or spark a dip in form for the Warriors, I guess, is the one that everyone's going to be asking that question. So, 
that'll be something that plays out over the next few weeks, I guess, until they get their some of those stars in key positions back. But Penrith, it's unbelievable. They're in the I think they're in the top four and they've uh they've Finnegan had well, they haven't really had the same side every week. Really, they've had a major injury every week. No, well, and it just yeah, the it showed the other night. We'll talk team. about it more in the reviews, but it, their edge defense in particular was quite poor, yeah. and it shows when you have to chop and change every week and push guys to different positions, and they haven't worked in the preseason together in those combinations yeah, and bits and pieces. But I've got to say, probably the more awkward thing for Penrith moving forward. I think the only one who's been ruled out for the year so far is Edwards and maybe Mansour. Yeah. But when all those other guys come back, I reckon it's harder to find form then because they have to get match fitness back as well as gelling with the team. So I think oh, Penrith, when they get Cleary and a couple of these blokes back, it might be a little bit stutter start for a few weeks until they get some game time together, especially Maloney and Cleary. Uh, in the long term, they'll be better for it. But I think yeah. if they get a heap of players back at once or four or five in a short space of time, it may slow them down. Whereas the Warriors have had these injuries... Constantly, but it's been in, out, in, out, in, out, and it hasn't been as big of an effect, but it's yeah. still not good to be missing. Penrith has just been compounded. Yeah. Compounded, On compounded, top. compounded. Yeah. yeah. Well, fingers crossed they can both get healthy because honestly, uh, from, from what I've seen from the Warriors, take that Melbourne get out again, uh, game out again, and I'll still stick by what I said. They're playing finals football and they're going to be a good side. Yeah. I'm, I'm happy to back that regardless of what anyone thinks. And again, uh, yeah, they got hammered by Melbourne, but the Dragons did a number on Melbourne. The Warriors did a number on the Dragons. Uh, they defended outstanding. They scrambled. They gave them absolutely nothing. So I'm going to stick by the Warriors and the Panthers for that matter as well. Number two, uh, a lot of people are going to blow up about it. I'm sure it's going to be in the questions. There'll be plenty to talk about. So refereeing decisions. Been pretty behind the refs so far this year. I like the penalties. I like the way they're trying to get the game back to where it was to follow all the, the stock and standard. But there was a few poor calls on the weekend that unfortunately uh, had an effect on games that you don't want to see. Yeah, I thought the Can- Canterbury on Thursday night... Cop the worst probably 15 minutes of dodgy calls I've seen all year. And in saying that, I thought they got the last call right because he, there's no doubt that he impeded, whether it is 1% of an impede. What do we always say? impeded Darius Boyd. What do we always say? Moses and Bye. So Just don't do it. That's right. They got that call right. So I'm comfortable with that. I don't think the referees could have, should have copped as much flack as what they did about that. The Isaac. To me, I also don't like people that agree, like agree with that, like come out and ref bash just to be the majority. And a lot of people were on that bandwagon and it's just predictable for me. That was clearly the right call. The one was the Jermaine Azarco one where he's just dropped it. Like, it's a Fernicum howler. Like, everyone's missed it. And then they got a crap penalty. Yeah, they got a penalty and then Brisbane scored. And for me, like, that just changed the whole momentum of that game. Uh, there are a few other questionable penalties. I understand that if you're the home side, you, you know, we probably, you, you shouldn't. You shouldn't gain any benefit from being the home side. But there's no doubt Brisbane... I thought got the the good the good rub in a lot of calls in that last fifteen minutes. Um, I was going to go through that last fifteen minutes and go through all of them, but I, I don't think I need to do that to make the point. And I, I genuinely don't think that even if I did that, that a lot of people would change their opinion on whether they thought they were the right call or the wrong call. But nah. for me, I'm impartial. I watched that game. I thought that was a really really tough period because I, I thought the Bulldogs were the best team in that game for probably sixty five minutes. Yeah. I thought Corey Oates, you put Corey Oates on the, the Bulldogs and, and the Bulldogs Pungo probably Junior win probably by, as well. Yeah, Pungo yeah. Junior was quite That's effective. So. I, you know, they win by they win by probably twenty points. Well, you know, the one basic principle of rugby league or the one thing you generally don't want to change, and I think I'm right in saying this, is your spine. You don't want your, your spine to change. And I know nine and one for them have been solid, but the fact that they chop and change halves constantly 
and then in the middle of games interchange halves. Like you can't ever get cohesion or have things flow or have any confidence in what you're doing if you never know who your halves are going to be. Yeah. Um, the fact that he pushes Jack Bird out, puts Nick Arama on. Week before that, Nick Arama's on the bench, six and seven. I know people say the roles are different, but uh, depending on who your halves are, what halves you've got available to you, the role can be yeah. quite specific. That seems to be changing every week for Brisbane. The only constant is obviously Milford. He's playing a role that he's not comfortable playing. Uh, I know people say he's getting paid like a top half. He should be controlling things and doing that. That's not his game. No. His game is running the football, broken play, eyes up, seeing what's in front of him. And it'd honestly be as simple as going out to market, which they didn't do last year. And if you're going to lose someone like Ben Hunt, replacing him with a Townsend kind of player or someone of that mold, or ex kind of Robson type person, Hodkinson, that comes into a team for a fraction of the price, is steady, kicks well, directs things, and frees up a guy like Milford. And they didn't do that. They spent $900,000 on a bloke who's got a $20 Maccus card, got fat, can't play seven, isn't running the football, and is playing shithouse at the moment in Jack Bird. Fair. So you want to solve the problem? Stick with Nicarima because if the young bloke they bought from Parramatta, the Kangaroos under-20s half, Dargan's not healthy, uh, I can understand that I want to play him. If not, it's time to play him. And if it's not him, uh, Todd Murphy's been in the reserves a couple of times. He's played cup for a long time now. Is he an NRL standard half? Uh, from what I saw in small glimpses. There's only one way to find out. Not long term, but there's an obvious thing going on here, and that's that he needs a proper seven next to him or someone that can at least kick and direct. I'm not asking him to win them the game. Take that out of Milford's hands, though, so he can play eyes up football. Mm. Simple as that. Yep, fair. Um, yeah, and the other call, I guess, before I went on my Broncos rant was the Addo Car one. I didn't, again, as a Melbourne fan, I'm impartial. I thought it was wrong at the time, but it didn't decide the game. But I more go off this year, they've played the advantage to everything. Offsides, all these bits and pieces, let you have the play. And then they've gone back to the penalty. And then the justification of it was wrong. Yeah. Because they've said, well, he was impeded in the play of the ball and he didn't play the ball properly. Well, the replay shows otherwise. He did play the ball properly. He did, yeah. So if you follow on the standard that's been set this year that you play the advantage... No call was made quick enough, even if the pocket ref did get it. He didn't blow the whistle and Melbourne scored. No, they fluffed it. I still think Melbourne lose that game. Uh, like I said, again, I'm completely that's impartial. That's but not the argument at all. The argument all year, is whether that you've call, played advantage. Yeah, whether so, that call was right or wrong. The call was a howler. Yeah. It was wrong. And people were saying yesterday about some of the forward passes in the Manly and Roosters game, and there's a couple other things they're disappointed well, with. Well, I agree with that as well. You know, the one I, awesome. you know the one I disagree with? Did you see on TV they thought it wasn't the pass that went out to the wing and they said it wasn't forward from Tom Trebojevic? I thought it was forward, Bob. Yeah, Mark. I thought it was forward. I thought it was like three or four metres forward. They go, it's yeah. backwards out of the ends. They go, well, I disagree because that's travelled about five metres. Yeah. Backwards, is, uh, that, that come out a fair way forward. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Your one that you've chucked in here, the Dean Pay spray. Fair or not well, fair? He's got fine. The fine. He's got fine. 25,000. Which is, what, you know, that's no, um, that's no small fine. Um, for a first time. He's come out, blown up. Basically, he questioned the integrity of the referee, so that's why the fine is of a higher a high, well, a higher amount. Um, and it just it, it sent waves across the NRL on Friday night. Like, it was a bit bit predictable. Like, it's... For me, I thought, come on, Dean, just bite your tongue. Like, it... But it's cost him 25000 I, I think the, the, the comment was... The comment that got him in trouble that was... was Along the lines of, well, it's just like we're not supposed to win. Questioning yeah. whether, you know, the referees have a preconceived idea about the result, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But for me, look, I thought, I thought he did go a little bit overboard, like questioning the integrity, questioning the result. Like it's not about that at all. Like it's no. like we're not supposed to win. He probably should have clarified that comment. I get what he meant, but he left it too open ended, and it was easy for the NRL to find him for yeah, it. But just to smash him. Um, 
I don't like the fact that coaches can't come out and question vent a little bit. Call, yeah. yeah. So I think we've got to find some sort of happy medium there. It's we want the coaches to contribute, we want the coaches to talk, we want there to be emotion, we want them to say things and be open, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But when they are, we we want to come down with a iron fist. So I think we've got to find that balance. You know, the hashtag talk the game up. We'll allow them yeah. to talk the game up a little bit. And just because they're questioning some calls doesn't mean they're not talking the game up because what were we talking about all Friday night? Mm. All over the media was about that press conference and about, you know, whether that was a right or wrong call. Yeah. I think the referees just need to own the fact that they've, they're going to upset some people from time to time. Yeah. Just like coaches Fine, do, simple. just like players do. Just own it. Just go, look, we got that decision wrong. Yeah. Uh, or we're comfortable with the decision. It was a 50-50. This is the way we've gone on it. And and let there be debate in the game. I think it's healthy that there's debate in the game. Just Just be... Confident in your process and go, look, yeah, either we've cocked it up, we'll, we'll, we'll own it, or come out and strongly support your referees and say, no, no, they got that call right, this is why, bang, move on. Yep, not disagreeing. Um, yeah, I just think, I, I think there needs to be an avenue there for the coaches to come out and criticise a little bit. Yeah. You know, I don't, I don't want them to come out and hammer the shit out of the referees to the point where we're losing junior referees, but we're losing junior referees at the moment anyway. Yeah. And the coaches still come out and bag the shit out of them. Mm. Um, and I don't think what Dean Pay has to say affects what may, to a small degree, affect some people getting involved to become a referee. I think it's more the hero parents that are abusing referees yeah, so at I, junior I, league I, games. I'm not taking that from the NRL. The problem at junior level is more parents and yeah. just absolute nutbags that get way too involved or way over the top for something you should be enjoying or just applauding your kids for being involved in. So yeah. That's so a sad I, part. I, yes. Mm. For me, look, 25K is, is a bit extreme. Uh, I thought 10k. Should well, first be the time too. Yeah. So, bit interesting. I, the frustrations mounting there at Canterbury, and well, it's not going to get. I thought they better. tried a lot of. They tried very hard. They, they, you can't fault their effort. It's just their execution and their ability. At the moment, I think to for their halves to create points. Like Kieran Foran looks like an old man. Yeah, he's his battling. body's busted. They're busted. The you know, forward they pack. Michael Leash. I don't know whether that was the right call, and I, I certainly haven't been one that's really got in Michael Leash's corner. Mm-hmm. But I'm not sure whether that was the right call. I looked at their nine position and thought, you know, yeah, whoever went in there didn't do any better of a job as what Michael Leash did. So I think he might have been a little bit of a well, scapegoat. Like my issue in and Marshall King to me, eh, I don't know whether he's a great defender he's solid. in the middle. He's solid, but I don't know whether he's better than Leash. Well, I'd, I'd say we hold off on this until we review the game because I've got my own thoughts again on that yeah. exact point about Leisha and the dropping. And again, it'll sound like I'm a homer because I've backed him a fair mm. bit the whole way and particularly more so the Hasler thing. No one can blame me for that. No. Hasler did shackle him for yeah. what he bought him for. And my gripe was more they spent a huge chunk of their salary cap to get him, flicked Michael Innes to get him and then didn't let him play, you know... The way that got him to be that yeah, yeah, number yeah. nine that you know justified the money or the hype that came with him, but yeah. uh, we'll leave that one there. Bolton's assault charges are indecent assault charges. We're, I want to touch on this not in detail, or I've got any information, or we know what happened. All I know is that obviously the charges were laid. He's come out today. He's going to cooperate. My main gripe again is when any any time like something this happens, we just go back to the same old thing and the stereotype that all football players are grubs and this, that, and the other, and that's the disappointing thing for me. Every time something like this happens, uh, I hate it. I really do, and just yeah, I almost lost for words every time this happens. I don't know how we constantly put ourselves in these situations. You, especially in a team like that, and a bloke that's a veteran of almost ten plus seasons, and I would have thought was more switched on. Um, your season's on the line. Yeah, you had a good win, but you're still basically bottom of the rung. You're the premiership favourites. You got a stack side after a good win like that. If you're going to have a couple of beers, fair enough, but pack it up, go home. 
don't get yourself into a state where a situation like this unfolds and you act like an absolute dickhead. Now you've got yourself uh, in trouble and right, been right. investigated by the integrity unit and the police. He's in big trouble, definitely. Um, he has admitted, as far as I can see, to grabbing a female, mi- middle-aged female, on the genitals. So there's no there's no way to sugarcoat it like that. Mm. That is what he's accused of doing. He he presented himself to the police station uh, the morning after. He's now in North Queensland. It is an issue between him and his wife in terms of whether who, what, when, where, why, how it happened, etc. The fact of the matter is, from a public perspective, is that he committed a crime if he's found to be guilty, and that that will be proven in the court of law. So we can't get on our high horse here and say he's guilty or not guilty. No. However, if he is, I think he's going to have his contract torn up and he's going to have a lengthy ban, I would, I would think, from the integrity unit. Well, give from everything the that I'm seeing, Yeah, everything that I'm seeing and hearing and the way this smells, it smells as though he's going to be found guilty. Um, it's a difficult one because I'm now about to be a father of a daughter and you just think it's abhorrent. Like, for anyone to think that they can grab someone on the genitals... Um. Yeah, it's 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 ordinary. It's really really ordinary, and I think there's a lot of rugby league players out there who do have that persona that they are bigger than King Kong. Yep. You know, they they they're bigger than the game. They're bigger than the general public. They get what they want because theoretically, a lot of these players get what they want. They yeah. get whatever the hell they want. They get weighted on hand and foot, and I think that's part of the issue. The and- common denominator there again is all that kind of stuff with a lot of players, the ego, and after games, good win, and alcohol. Alcohol yeah. is a common denominator in just about every single time something goes wrong. Yeah, and um, I think um, the 99.99% of the female population who are just respectful, lovers of the game, um, don't deserve this crap. There's a, there's a small percentage... You know, of girls out there who we know, they throw themselves at, at footballs. Yeah. We know that. And that, that happens in all, all walks all sports, of life. All walks of life, you know, celebrities, musicians, etc. Yeah. So, but this is just disgusting behaviour. There's no way around it. Um, and look, I don't think we should, shouldn't make too many judgments because he hasn't had his day in court and you, you, he has the right to be presumed innocent until found guilty, but... From a whole of game perspective, I think I think the game's going to handle this. They'll come down on like a like a ton of bricks, whether he's found guilty or not. If he's if he's guilty in any aspect, like from a criminal perspective, he may not be found guilty of that. He may be found guilty of a lesser charge, but I can't see him coming out of this without some sort of uh, form of punishment. I think it's very important that the game comes out really hard because we want to be we want to be hypocrites in a lot of ways. We want to have women in league ground, but. When things like this happen, we need to send a message to the females who watch the game mm. that this isn't on. Well, we've had the Robert Louis issue. And just rub them out. In like, the past, Blake Ferguson's issue after Origin the other year. Um, there's yeah, been a couple of instances where this has happened, so you'd think um, they would you follow. Know, we, did a, we did a coach the coach last night at a junior club here in Penrith and um, lovely woman coaching the under-sixes. Mm. So there's a lot of, lot of females. We've got, we got a, I know for a fact we've got a lot of female listeners. And we love having female listeners. Like it's 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 a fantastic element in our game. And for me, like the women's game's growing. This isn't going away. The 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 issue with players respecting women it's a, it's a social issue, yes, but it is an issue within our game. It's not going away. No. So we've got to be strong on it. And so so those women that are involved in our game feel supported to the point where they want to stick around. Mm. They don't they don't feel as though 
they're not supported. And I, I, we're, neither of us are females. I've got no idea what that feels like to be put in a situation and treated like that. Um, but I know that I would be beyond furious if that was my daughter. And I don't care if she's a middle-aged woman because she's still got exactly the same basic rights as any, anyone else. Yeah. So, and, you know, whether she was throwing herself at him and whether there was anything untoward going on or whether it was consensual or whatever, but that, that, that should not happen. Mm. No one in a normal relationship acts like that. So no. it's a difficult one. Um, and I'm, I've got full confidence the NRL will deal with it harshly and how it should be. But the other issue on top of this is this is just the last thing North Queensland needed. They yeah. had a good win, got things back on track to some degree, but they now have this hanging over their head. They've got a, a relatively short turnaround into the Cowboys on Thursday night, a game I'm going to go to actually because a few mates at school are mad Tigers fans, so we're going to go and have a look. It's just going to be tough for them because the Tigers are going to be desperate. I can't see how they lose one or two more games in the next month for Cowboys and make the finals. They can't. They have to win this they game. They have to because Origin's still going to hit them like yeah. I've said a million times before. There will be a handful. Well, what's your call on it? Like you're a little bit younger. You, I don't know. I've... You've touched on everything I've already, basically, yeah. you've touched on everything I could have brought up. And again, being a younger bloke and again, going through after you to under-20s when they address all this stuff and you come through and there's education and how to deal with these situations and when you're out. But my bigger disappointment is when we used to go out, and sometimes I will admit even we used to go out when we weren't supposed to after a game, the general rule of thumb is never go get caught on your own. Uh, And if you're in groups, obviously, like you've got to drag your mates in a line. So probably the sadder part is what I would like to know, was he on his own or was he with other people? And if he was with other people... Someone should have pulled him in the line if they had a chance to at an earlier stage. But he still needs to take full responsibility. But a lot of the problem is when they're all, everyone generally, when everyone's out together, they encourage one another to do stupid, stupid shit. shit, which is the bigger issue. And so alcohol, alcohol it's, it's is the common denominator. That, it's, not, it's not rocket science that alcohol is the common denominator in all of it. It is. It's the biggest problem we have. I don't understand. It's the biggest why problem in just about every one of these issues. Players are earning so much money. They've got such a short lifespan of a career. Get off the piss. Take full advantage while you can. Drink and it. Drink. You can drink piss for fucking sixty years after you retire. Well, even on the flip side of that, I got plenty of mates that are still sprawled about the NRL, New South Wales Cup, or got top squads or Super League. But drink. They do it, but they do it responsibly. Yeah, but not even that. They're smarter. A lot of them during the season go dry, buy yeah. a weekend or two with a buy or a function that's yeah. set standard again, and it's going to be contained. They save it till after the season, and then you've got your eight weeks or your ten weeks or whatever, depending on rep football, to get a bit loose and go on a holiday and do it hidden away from the public. Yeah. They don't do it in Sydney near their local with fans around or in places where they can get themselves into trouble. Yeah. They're smarter about it. So, um, yeah, yeah. see, ordinary situation all around, isn't it? Yeah, and again, just another black eye, another stereotype, and all those things. A few, oh, and look, so. there's plenty of the the ninety and you know the ninety nine point nine percent of players that do the right thing, keep doing the right thing. Yep. Tackle five, more just a short one from me. You'll probably agree. I, I think you definitely will agree. Jack Bird to Brisbane confused me in the first place. Yep. I couldn't believe the money that was being thrown around. I was surprised Newcastle willing to throw that much, and I definitely said at the time they dodged a bullet, and I still feel that way. Mm-hmm. Um, the things that I've heard, and I'm sure many have heard, is he gave Wayne Bennett an ultimatum that he was either playing halves off the bench or he wanted out. Yeah, I don't think it's the smartest way to play things full stop. I think... The whole way he's handled himself from everything you hear at the Broncos so far has been poor. His shoulder rehab, this Macca sponsorship, this card they've got, and apparently they get 20 bucks a day and he's gone well over the board with that. And 
It's a bit about Jack, not much about anyone else, and me, me, me. What's, what's tell me about that? I haven't, I haven't heard that. Well, they're Mac- sponsored. They get like a McDonald's card, so you know, if you want to get coffees or food or something every now and then, but they get like twenty dollars a day if they want to. So I think it's a sponsorship thing they've teed up. Well, all the players get it. But apparently they'll call him Jack Burger instead of Jack Bird because in the oh. preseason when he was injured, he was hoeing into it while he was off with his shoulder. And he's come back now in poor form. And the sadder part is you've taken this $900,000 contract. He stirred up the shitstorm between them and the Sharks and was a bit snipey with all his remarks. Then you heard he's unhappy before he even left Cronulla to go up there. Yep. He's still gone up there. He's getting paid. He's playing like an absolute bastard. Um, he goes out and gets the, what he wants if he has given the ultimatum, plays in the halves, plays like absolute dog shit, has two runs in the whole game. Very, got, very poor. And then they're saying at the end he's injured, not hooked. And I'm like, well, from all signs that you've watched right there, I Come highly on. disagree because you've given him an opportunity by moving into the back row out of the halves to get his hands on the football and be more involved in the game, and he still didn't. Yeah. So all I'm going to say is that it's getting louder and louder, and I'd already heard that he wanted out, but apparently he's told his agent that find me a club back in New South Wales. He wants out. And except the start. You, yeah, I agree with you. You started this shit storm with, with the Sharks and I want to play this position, I want to play that. You don't get to make those demands to certain clubs. Like, it's not rocket science. Cronulla already had Maloney. I know he left, but they bought Moylan, et cetera. But me, 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 I, 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 doesn't work all the time. And you rub a lot of people the wrong way. And I'm not comparing it to the Jackson Hastings situation because it's, I don't know him personally, the character outside of that bar. Like, I want to play this position or the confidence in oneself, which you want out of your players, yeah. but the personality. If you rub too many people the wrong way, plenty of doors are going to close quite quickly. Yeah. If you're not delivering, getting paid well, and you're an arrogant prick. So, great footballer, and we've seen him come to the junior ranks as well. He can do a lot of things, don't get me wrong. Yeah. But at the NRL level, it's not the same as 20s and 18s where you can play fullback, six, three, back row, etc. I still don't know what his best spot is. I think center is one of his better spots. I think 13 now is basically an extra front row, so I don't know if he could play that role. He'd need to be in a side that specifically... Gives him that old school 13 role where he can ball play, play like an extra six, but they'd need a really good front row rotation and he'd need to hold up the middle and defend a lot better. Which again, I question at the moment in the condition that he's in, would he be able to do that job? No, he wouldn't. No. And if he's going to be a six, he needs a gun seven. And they obviously, again, they've already got a gun six at Brisbane. It's Anthony Milford. Yeah. Is fullback a spot for him? I've seen him play there. Could that work? Probably. But is Darius Boy going to retire anytime soon? He just signed an extension. Regardless of that hamstring, and again, that's the next point I was going to bring up. Seen him there. Dynamic, good ball runner. Could he create damage? Yes. But the big question, again, is the fitness. Does he have it? Yep. Don't think so at this point. So he's got to take a good hard look at the mirror, whether he wants to be at Brisbane, whether he's moving back or whatever. But just the way he's carrying himself at the moment is quite poor for someone who's been touted for origin, and I have no idea how. Because when I speak of reputation, if people getting jerseys they don't deserve, if he gets an origin jersey, Fitler, Johns, anyone that's pumped his tyres up or put him in needs to give himself a triple. Because that's going against exactly all the things we're looking to do for rep football. And I hate that people supposedly get to own jerseys unless you've got a proven track record like some of the Queensland blokes do, which I can understand when they get the job done. He's done nothing to deserve to be handed a Blues jersey. And there was plenty of talk that we're going to go with a big... Might as well give one to Bryce Cartwright if that's a theory. We're talking a big ball running six and there was a lot of murmurs around him. If that does happen, that's a joke. So, uh, last tackle. And last week we addressed this. Uh, Are the Tigers off the boil? And a lot of people said last week after those couple of losses and Thought about it at the time and thought, well, realistically, Packers out. They've had a couple of games for the first time where they've made some errors and they haven't been as good defensively. They've leaked a little bit on the right. Yeah. Um, but two-point losses as well. On the weekend, I was immediately worried because the first thing I saw before kickoff was Elijah Taylor playing nine, little out of the side and got out on the bench. And all I thought was, that says to me, we're worried about our middle. We're worried about the way we're going to defend. And I need to just basically try and lock things down and hold on for dear life. 
and things didn't go well. The middle got blown apart. They got pulled apart on the edges again. Uh, the, the errors are creeping in the last two yeah, weeks. Well, we said it. How long are you going to be able to win games not scoring many points? And yeah. it's sort of coming to fruition. Look, I thought the Eels game was one they gave away, to be fair. Well, the Newcastle one off a kick uh, on the last play. Again, yeah. Give so a bit of credit. That, so. that theoretically could have been their first loss. This week is huge, really, though. Really, yeah. This this week now is massive. Four in a row, four well, losses. At Leichhardt, because they would, they, you'd pencil in that you're going to win most of your games at Leichhardt. So yeah. Thursday night's going to make it difficult, because I don't think it's going to be a well-attended game. Colts Cowboys. coming in as well. So I think it's gonna. It'll probably suit the uh, the um, the Tigers, but then again, you go well. The, the Cowboys have just played in four degrees at Bathurst, so they're going to be used to it as well. And they're they fine with it, so. though. They play forward dominated game, fairly heavily structured, so it'll suit them yeah. if it is cold and I wet think football. It's, it's a really interesting game. Yeah. I, I think the loser of this is going to be right on the ropes. Yeah, Cowboys probably it will de- Cowboys definitely more than the Tigers. But well, I think the Tigers it's a game the Tigers need to win. Origin's not as big a period as it used to be, but in that period, if they're healthy, they should be able to claw back a couple of wins. But you just yeah. don't want to go on a free fall after such a good start. No, and That's you don't, the you don't want to lose games to teams in the bottom four. No, definitely not. Well, there you go. There's our set of six onto the power rankings brought to you by appropriately Penrith Solar Center. They say the best defense is offense. So, what defense have you got in place against the nasty situation of rising power bills? Penrith Solar Centre is Western Sydney's leading solar specialist. Whilst you have little control over your team's outcome, the expert team at Penrith Solar Centre is devoted to giving you back control of your power bills. Let the sun work for you and your back pocket. Save thousands per year in energy costs, and it may be the difference between good or great seats at the NRL Grand Final. Contact the team at PSC on 1820 2930 to discuss how they can make you the real winners this season. Uh, www.penrithsolar.com.au And I probably should have been saying this the whole time. If you do ring or get involved in any of these business, make sure you mention the podcast yes. and let them sort you out. So on to those power rankings. Uh, number one, who you got? Number one, who do you think I've got, big boy? Dragons. The Dragons. And I've at number one. also got the Dragons, obviously, after the weekend. Good win. Um, you know, they've ticked all the boxes so far. They're good all around the field. And I like the fact they're trying to prep for origin by getting players in even for short stints. Yeah. And some of the guys in cup now have been moved into positions they're probably going to be filling, moving into. So planning ahead. Smart by the Dragons. Number two. Number two of the Storm. All right. I've left them at number two as well, even after the poor game of the weekend. I still think Jesse Bromwich is a massively underrated loss because with Cassiano and Nelson, a soft Solomon in the middle, that was very vulnerable. Yeah. Uh, they got caught out a couple of times. And even Glasby, to be honest, I know he's pretty Barry Basics job, but they do a very good job when they're there. Um, and Curtis Scott, too. Very good center. Uh, number three. Number three, I have the New Zealand Warriors. I've got the Warriors as well. Great win on the weekend. Don't care what anyone says. And the theory, again, I've said it before. Love Paul Kent, but no Johnson. They can do it that Johnson. Highly disagree. When he's on like he was on the weekend, he plays some good football. With more time playing with Green, all those kind of guys back on board, Johnson's going to get better. Yep. He just needs to be healthy. Number four. I've got the Rabbitohs. I well, they're, I think they're a good team. Good team. Well, I've still left Penrith. They who, showed who me. Who have you got at, at four, Lewis? I've got the Panthers still. You got the Panthers, yeah. The Panthers, to me, even despite all the injuries, have massively overachieved. It shows the depth in the club, the talent of the juniors. Uh, it's just a stack roster when you look at thirty man rosters. You want to talk about depth across all clubs? No one's got better depth than the Panthers, and to fight back the way they did in that game, I was very impressed. Well, I've I've got the I've got the Panthers at five. Gus's five year plan, so I thought I'd put them at five. five. Well, Brock, I just think that's inappropriate, mate. I just don't know what you're talking about. Buzz. I've got Souths at five, and the reason for that is because of the poor loss to the Broncos. And even though they beat Newcastle, 
that left edge that scores so many points lets a lot in as well. Oh. They leak like my forehead, so I'm a Whoa. bit still got some question marks there. All right, number six, I have the Raiders. Wow, you've pumped them up yeah, a little bit. I well, like the Raiders, man. I've still, I, I'm a bit more less ruthless than you. I kind of slide teams gradually out. I've slid the Tigers down to sixth. And the reason being, again, those couple of losses in the weekend, I was a little bit surprised. But Packer coming back this week, the errors have been uncharacteristic the last two weeks. And I really, really have faith in Ivan Cleary. Well, the Raiders have won four of their last five and they lost all of their first three by, what, less than a try. They gave away pretty much two games, Warriors and the Titans. So I like them. I think they're a good team. I think they've got enough good players there. Tilly. If they get their halves right, they're going to be okay. Yeah, well, halves still questionable for me, and obviously yeah. Paulo's out now with an injury as well, so okay. I'll wait and see. But I've left the Tigers there. Next week, though, there could be some serious culling. Tigers, no. Number seven. Number seven, I've got the Sharkies. I left the Sharks there, same as I did last week. Uh, they just win ugly, so yep. there's no way not to have them there. And number eight. I've got the Broncos, but I'm just so unconvinced by them. Yeah, well... But... That means I've punted the Tigers, the Roosters, and I don't have Newcastle in there. I, I sort of have, well, the Sharks, I think, are on that echelon, but I've got the Broncos, Tigers, Roosters, and Knights all in the one pool for different reasons. The Broncos, I think they're winning, but I don't think that's a game they should have won on Thursday night. No. Nah. The Tigers have been unconvincing. They're on a bit of a slide. The Roosters, they've just been unconvincing. They've been terrible. Stop. They got outrun by 500 metres by Manly and still managed to win. So I don't know whether that's a good thing or well, a bad Manly thing. Manly won every category in that game um, and still couldn't get the job and done. And Newcastle, you're just waiting for them to sort of... I think they have slid a little bit the way they yeah, started that yeah. game the other other night. So I think those four teams are the ones at the moment that I really look at and go, you guys are going to be fighting out for well, those final spots. On the outer, I've got the Broncos, but on the outside looking in would be Roosters, Raiders. And the Raiders, I still want to see them beat somebody a bit more convincingly. So this weekend... I can't believe you've left them out, mate. This weekend, Brock, they play my Sharks, and if they can get the job done in that one, I'll be a little more convinced. Yeah, okay? okay. Okay. So there you go. There's our power rankings. As always, feel free to send through anything you've got in that regard. If you've got some power rankings of your own as well, uh, we'll do the reviews of the games from the weekend, and they are brought to you by Nepean Boltmaster this week. www.nepboltmaster.com .com.au, Nepean Boltmaster is your complete fastening system supplier. Their main office is in Penrith, covers more than 1,500 square metres, and a second one at Seven Hills. They boast the largest range of fasteners and associated products, not only throughout the region, but the state. There's a lot more to Boltmaster, though, than just fasteners. You'll also find industrial and engineering products, abrasives, hand and cutting tools, lifting materials and handling products, safety and cleaning products, paints, and general hardware items. Nepean Boltmaster provides total needs sourcing packages for all trades, associated with construction, engineering, and all associated industry segments. So get into contact with the boys at Nepean Boltmaster and was there. More than just nuts and bolts, sort out all the gear you need for your trade. So first game, Brock, is the Broncos versus the Bulldogs. And obviously, uh, pretty average game, to be fair. I thought, as usual, every single week, the Dogs brought it, but just not enough in attack. Efforts, not in question any week. But there's just not enough going on an attack. Still got questions over some of the forwards. Uh, I think Clemmer's been, again, like I said, out of those two guys that were playing or the incumbents for those jerseys, at least been steady. He does his job. Mm. Wood's a little bit better. But again, there's still enough punch in the middle. Thank God Reese Martin finally got a debut. And this week, the other bloke I've been begging to get a debut forever, Renoff Tormaga's finally getting a game as well. well. There you go. I thought Martin was quite good on debut and Jackson as always, but... Uh, the change at nine, I d- disagreed with. And the main reason here, and they brought this up the other day, everyone was saying, well, now that he's running, it kind of puts everybody else off. And when he takes off and he looks around, there's nobody there and the pass is awkward. Well, that's bullshit because you know as yourself as a coach, 
if you get a quick play of the ball and generate ruck speed, you want your nine jumping out and playing forward. And what happens when your nine jumps? You need guys pushing around the football. Yeah. So if he's jumping on quick play of the balls and we playing eyes up. He wants to generate quick play of the balls for him. Exactly. But the times he has been getting them and he's looking up, I've seen it as well. He's getting that six or seven metres turning to pass or try and see someone and no one's pushed with him. And that comes back to, again, lazy middles who aren't doing a very good job and they've had a problem with it so far. If no one's pushing on the football when you're getting quick ruck speed and just playing simple eyes up football, that's bullshit reason to drop your nine. And like you said, Marshall King does He's a steady job. Thought he was good again there, but the excuses I heard from media and other football people as to why they dropped Leisha, uh, I just disagree with. If your nine gets a quick play of the ball, you want him to jump yeah, and try and play and get over the ad line with forwards, with numbers, and play through the line. Um, Canterbury had combined, they had 10 errors, 8 penalties given away. Brisbane had 6 and 3. They had half. Yeah. So that led to... Brisbane, or Brisbane had fifty-seven percent of possession. Well, that's the main thing I've got here, and they... for me, until the Bulldogs understand the importance of at least getting fifty-fifty, you're going to struggle to win NRL games. It's 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 a credit to them that they lost by two points at the death in Brisbane, away from home with injuries, with kept new players out. So there's no there's no question on their effort. Effort's been there the whole time. But their discipline and their yeah their ability to attack and score points when they've got chances is and are going to continue to be their problem. But again, I say what I've said before. It's not going to get any better because the club and Pay's job that he's inherited and no one can question the job he's doing. I think he's doing a pretty solid job. He's handcuffed to the job he's taken. The salary cap's in a mess. There's a bunch of players that are going to go at the back end of this year or they're trying to get out to free out money. But the problem is... There's more back end deals to come. Yeah. So even if the Morris twins leave or take pay cuts, yeah, yeah, like yeah. six, seven hundred a piece, if they both stay for three hundred a piece, that's good if they're doing the job they're doing right now. That's good value, realistically, with an average of like three fifty per head. Um and Eastwood's eight hundred thousand, he's definitely going to be gone, etc. But next year the back end of deal is kicking again from Hasler's tenure because Jackson got a back end of deal when he stayed after those early days, and Clemmer got a back end of deal. And Woods has got his huge contract and four, and so you still load it up heavily next year. Mm. They're going to be looking at a situation where they're going to have to go out to market, scab from teams, cup teams, or bottom end of their top 30s to get players to play for the minimum wage of 100, 120,000 just to fill in three or four spots. You can't address your half situation. You can't address your nine situation if you're not really happy there. Um, you can't get other guys in to help with your forward pack. You just, you're very top heavy. And those guys that are top-heavy on the sadder part of it are not playing as good as what they should be. Yeah. And that's what those back-end deals do. The only guy who's probably playing close to his pay packet right now on one of those bigger deals is Josh Jackson. You know what you're getting every week. But yeah, and that's an effort thing. Yeah. Foreign, I don't question effort, but you've paid 900000 a million dollars for a bloke who's had injury problems, and it shows. Yeah. Woods, you've paid money for a guy who's come from a club, got a couple of rep jerseys that are questionable, is a steady NRL player and one of the better front rowers, but he's not the best front row in the comp to be getting paid close to a million dollars. No. Clemmer's back end of deal hurts you. Jackson, like I said, back end of deal hurts you. Um, there's there's some questionable things. So it's not going to get better anytime soon. They're, they're in a real hole moving forward. Ooh, they yeah. really are. So Ooh, I feel sorry yeah. for Dean Poe. I really do. Yeah. Um, but he knew what he was walking into. I get that. And he want to be a coach and it's his old club. So he's got ties to it and it's a bit emotional and I can see his frustration, but I'll definitely back the fact that they're playing for him and the intent's there. But I just don't think he's got the cattle and he's not going to be able to make the changes quick enough to the point where even next year, I think they're going to struggle again realistically at the moment. He definitely doesn't have the cattle. So, yeah, if you can't make those changes even next year, you're you're still in trouble. Yeah. Um, Brisbane, I think, again, a lot of those young forwards were pretty, pretty good. But it's hard to get much going, like I said, if you're going to constantly chop and change your halves and have no consistency there. I think McCulloch, you know the job he does. He manipulates the ruck. 
think Lodge has been solid, even though, again, off-field issues are not purely on football ability. He's done a pretty good job for a guy who's missed three years of NRL football. Offhand Gary off the bench was outstanding. Pungai Jr. is one of the better forwards in the comp, and they need to lock him up and keep him there. He was outstanding again. The movement on his feet, the ball-playing ability, the burst, some of the bump that's in his game, uh, he's fantastic. And even Jaden Sewer, the confidence growing in that kid, I can see why they debuted him at 18 years old now. Yeah. It takes a bit of time, but now that starting edge role is his. And Corey Oates has been their best player the whole year. He's yeah, been he outstanding. So sort the halves out. The Jack Bird thing, like I said, uh, he's been ordinary. <sighs> I just think the crazy part about this is the turf at that game too. Two of the Bulldogs tries, and again, you want to sum up attack, we're off blokes slipping over. Yeah, and Darius Boyd put long studs in, I think. Yeah, so, so he blew a tyre and dropped one before. The other kickback in field was Jack Bird, the one effort, one of the better efforts he did make all game to scramble back, and he fell over as well. So that's, again, highlights that the score to me, no offence to the Bulldogs, but two of your tries come off blokes basically blowing a tyre um, yeah. to get your tries. Do I question some of the calls at the end and the penalty off the escort, which you see a million a game, and they blow one at a very inappropriate time? Yes. Did Azarko knock that ball on? Yes. Uh, the last call, like you, I agree with that. Simple thing is in that situation, did he barely touch him? Yes. But did he touch him and did he put himself in the situation to get Sinbin? And Boyd said Yes, that. he did. Boyd said so, the touch was minimal, but it did have an effect on me. And simple. I, I've just, got no reason to... As coaches, you say this stuff all the time. Just don't put yourself in that situation in the first place. Yeah. Pop Wido was there. It's likely there's a contest. Who would have been able to shep him off the ball or knock it dead? You didn't need to do it. Yeah. And that cost them the game, realistically. In Correct. The end. Um, yeah. Like I said, those young forwards are really, really good. Plus, oh, it's on the Bulldog side of things. Uh, Martin, good on debut. Jackson, as always. I think Marshall King, despite not being outstanding, is very solid and has been good in all their games. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. See what happens there moving forward. But the Dogs, it's, it's been a hard year. In Brisbane, I'm still confused about. Newcastle South, 36-18 this one. Uh, honestly, the start of that game, I thought that was going to be an absolute bloodbath. Souths, as usual, left-hand side, some of those shapes, uh, they're absolutely tearing them to shreds, and it all started with the twins in the middle. And we said at the start of the year, Souths are going to be good. They've got the good edges. They've got the halves, the fullback, the nine. They've got a lot of good bits and pieces there. But it's got to start in the middle with the two twins because they've been poor the last couple of years. They've been outstanding. They lay that platform. Cook gets out. He puts them out of the ad line. They run their shape to the left. They put variations on all the time. They found points at will, basically. And then they jumped back to the other side and found a try over there as well. And even Adam Reynolds seems like he's settling in a bit better now that he's played a couple of games in a row, playing a little more eyes up and feeding off what he's got around him. But uh, in saying that, Newcastle did fight back. I think South's, yeah. South's on that same edge. Why they're very good in attack, they've got some issues defensively, in particular between Sutton and Walker. Those two are a spot that a lot of teams go to. When things break down there, G.I. still off his knee. He doesn't look confident enough. He doesn't like to jam in. He usually holds. Jennings is holding off as well, and they're getting pulled apart on that side. In the second, uh, in the first half, South didn't not complete a set. They were 100% yeah, in the first half. They went half. 20 from 20. And like, for the game, they completed 94%. They were 34 of 36. So they're outstanding in that regard. But like that, that edge defensively. Craziness. Absolute why, craziness. Yeah. Why they have the best left edge in the comp so far attack-wise. But the, the thing is, got when to you tighten watch South... You don't think they're a negative side in terms of holding the ball and no. playing robotic. That's they like to play football. They're playing footy and they're not making errors. No, it's good. So that's a winning formula. But number one Newcastle, as well, I think Newcastle deserve a rap because I thought I think Souths are a serious footy side. I do too, and they also have the quickest play the ball speed in the competition, which is a new thing everyone's talking about right now. So they generate more ruck speed, which was, gets you more yeah, opportunity to play football. Two periods in that game where Souths just really sucker punched them, like. 
put a couple of back-to-back tries. Yeah. Like obviously the start of the game wasn't ideal. You're yeah. behind the eight ball straight away, but apart from two little periods there where Souths were very dominant, Newcastle certainly complete, uh, competed. Yeah, well they threw their fair share. They tried to push some offloads, get around the middle. I like the fact that Watson got back to more what he does well and just ran the football on that edge where they had some love. Uh, Callum Ponga, everyone's been saying the first few weeks he's purely a left side player. Well, obviously he showed you wrong. Because last week, I think he threw under the right, and the other night, he set two up to the right. Fitzgibbon also showing his versatility, not being, oh, I'm just a left-side player. He went to the right. He had a fairly good game as well. Scored another meat pie off him. And uh, The big glaring moment for me is they get to half-time. The goal-kicking's been poor, which puts them at 16-12. But Ponga, again, throws that pass to Seo, has them back in the game right then and there, and he decides to fuck around with it, runs it seven metres in, try to round the corner, and gets it knocked out by Crichton. And that point right there, you're like... Oh, my God. They roll down the other end of the field. Cook scores not long after, um, and it's just basically done. They get a penalty goal. They blow it out. And that's a 12-point turnaround there. Yeah. Like just, yeah. It was a critical moment. It's a very, very controllable element, and they got it wrong. Well, the last few weeks come in looking and going, well, some of these guys need to lift around Ponga, and I think the frustration's shown because Nathan Brown's dropped a few blokes this week. So yeah. uh, Brock Lambs comes in for Cogger, who I actually don't think has been that bad, to be honest. I think Cogger's been pretty good. But, yeah, that's fair. Uh, Lilliman's been dropped. There's a couple of forwards that are out. So he's obviously asking some questions of some guys, particularly defensively in the middle, and they struggled against those big forwards at South. Yeah. Cody Walker, I've heard a few people throw up origin. I bring up again, if you watch that game defensively, while well, I love him in attack and he's an absolute spark plug, there's no way he can play Origin with the way he defends. Yeah, he needs to be a lot better defensively, and that's the crux of that game. Yeah, uh, he's an outstanding player. I'd love him. I'd have him on my side any day of the week. But yeah, at club footy, to make a bad read or two every week or be a little bit poor with the amount of points they score, that's fine. But in a critical level like that, with no combinations in the style he plays, uh, yeah, I, I question a lot of people that have brought that up. Unfortunately, I agree. And, like I said, yeah, I agree. Good footballer, but that's probably the only glaring thing I look at South and they need to fix. That edge, why so dangerous in attack, needs to be better defensively. Yeah. Uh, and they get Sam back this week, so they've been good without him again. Let's yeah. just hope he can keep himself on the field. And they play the Dragons. Yeah. Massive game. Uh, Cowboys-Panthers. <coughs> what a game of football. 26-20. Early on, honestly, the Cowboys just cut them to pieces. And yeah. Penrith weren't hurting themselves. A couple of yardage penalties, marched them down. Gavin Cooper strolls through, can't find a pass. Tom Olo goes through, throws a forward pass, and I'm sitting there going, wow, the intense there. They're pretty switched on tonight. They look like they want to tear some blokes apart. The defensive intent was there. and Poor old Penrith, uh, you know, all those changes, a bit flat to start with. The discipline didn't help, but the point started to come when, as you know, when you've got changes constantly on your edges, it's hard to form defensive combinations. The communication between players isn't that great. Maloney, two weeks in a row, shot out of line. Just left a huge hole. That that try for Morgan was very poor. Good by Granville to identify that the space was there and throw the pass. Yeah. But very poor. And then the second one off the tap, literally off the tap, where they've passed around him with like a block, 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 and got three wide and Hampton has cut through that same edge. It, it just shows basically what I was talking about. When you've got guys that haven't played together on the same spot, uh, communication, just breakdowns in what blokes are doing, holding, shooting in. Before you know it, Sin bin in a penalty goal, it's 14 nil. I'm sitting there going, this could be absolutely anything. Yeah, um, I think we're all thinking that. But full credit to Penrith, as they've done all year, they find a try of all times why someone's in the bit. Yeah. They yeah, find that's the happened try. a lot this season. Yeah, well, that's happened a lot. Um, yeah. They, they, I, I, look, I thought the difference in this game was territory. I thought the Cowboys kicked a lot better than Penrith um, and just ended their sets more effectively. And then... It was just those big plays. The Cowboys came up with 
some really nice plays and Penrith came up with some really poor defensive decisions which come back to those combinations through injury. Well, if you're missing nine guys, it's pretty hard to keep yeah. reshuffling and playing back rows and people out of position. But second half, obviously, they did find that try through Phillips who had a pretty good debut, the former Bulldog and Rooster on that edge. Uh, they got some possession, they got some football early on, then they got a man put in the bin for the pro foul for the Cowboys. So they found a couple of tries of their own, but as soon as they dragged themselves back in within range, the knockdown uh, from Justin O'Neill, I think it was, and JT scores almost a mirror image try of the one that Wallace got his second one off Dallin for. So 24-16, I'm sitting there kind of going, well, it's going to be hard to ask because you know, they've done a lot of work early on. Late in the game, though, they came for him. They really did. Yeah. They, Phillips I didn't got think they... the Cowboys panicked at all, but... No, and I think the big thing, like you said, when I watched the last 10 or 15 minutes because I was at a wedding, so I missed most of it, I watched the replay, I felt basically what you were saying, that every time it come to that back and forth for the last 10, 15 minutes, the Cowboys did a much better job putting the ball in a corner, yeah. parking Penrith down there and just kind of strangle them a little bit more, whereas they'll get in better field position. And just the energy from early on when they were on the back foot, I think it was hard for Penrith to kind of claw themselves back in and... Yeah. Probably summed up. They got the penalty last set of the game and dropped it in the second or third ruck. Uh, just not to be their night, but no. you have to give them a massive pat on the back for the effort they put in considering yeah, yeah. you've well, lost Merrin before yeah. kickoff. Uh, you've got a man putting the sin bin. Things aren't going your way. I was a little surprised they binned Zalesniak. Why? I've said a million times, I think he's just dumb a lot of the time trying to pick fights and messing around in rucks when he has quick play the balls or opportunities. I think felt yanking him and giving him a good rattling around didn't really help when he ran under Coot, but... Uh, I thought that that binning was a little bit harsh because he didn't make contact. And I've seen slaps this year, which we said that was going to be a binning where it hadn't happened. So yeah. um, I thought that was a pretty big moment. But you know what? Fisher-Harris has just gone to another level since he's gone in the middle and played lock. He owns that jersey right now. And the other one who didn't really get a lot of raps, so I thought uh, Kikau again was massive. Filiama Kikau was outstanding. Yep. And James Tarmow, who I threw some shade on earlier, said he needed to play. He's been better since he's been coming off the bench. I think he was had a good game. For the Cowboys, it was the old firm. Thurston's effort hasn't been questioned any of the weeks, but he was great the other night. Matty Scott, you touched on it the other night. I hadn't seen the game, obviously. He was fired up. He whacked a couple of blokes. He did a really good job. And the million-dollar man himself, Jason Tamalolo, was absolutely outstanding. He was a weapon. So, uh, yep. They're still on life support, but while there's a flicker of a heartbeat, there's hope. And they need to get a couple of wins before Origin comes around. The good thing is everyone's sort of beating everyone. No one's really broken away apart from the Dragons. The Dragons, yeah. yeah. So there's it's a massive left. log jam of 10 yeah. teams on uh, teams on 10 points. I think there's like five or six of them. So yeah. interesting. But uh, good by both sides there. But good to see the Cowboys just you know find a bit of confidence and stick to a game for 80 minutes. Absolutely. Uh, Raiders-Titans, we're barely going to give this one air. It was 20-0 at halftime. The Titans were shithouse. Their middle defense, I say it every week, is disgusting. Yeah, uh, It's absolutely foul. The edges at times as well are very, very poor. Conrad Hurrell laughing at his errors gives me the shits. I know it gives you the shits. And the scary fact is, and I don't know, people that listen would know this, he's on about $600,000. I have no idea who gave him that contract when he came across and how it's justified. But he's rightfully been dropped this week. Because it's not funny making three errors a week on big money in the NRL. It's just not funny. Mm. Uh, and his intent to me and his carries that was there the first week or two, again, is waned. He just seems to ride these waves where he'll have a really good game here or there. Then he's off the bandwagon. Cartwright at six. We've said it every single week. It's not working. Whether he's doing a solid job, he's not a six. He doesn't dig in the line. He's not creative enough. He throws too many stupid passes. He's poor defensively on an edge. Brimson gets a go this week, finally. The kid that was in the under-20s team of the year. And the other one for me, and again, I'll argue with anyone about it, Ryan James is not playing Origin. 
Yeah, I agree with that. That getting thrown up constantly and putting him on a par or consistency. And yeah, his numbers, I forget the numbers. In game, things I see compared to some of the other players in back row or front row where they give him raps or say he should be getting a run, I completely disagree. Agree. He's yeah, a good footballer, but he's not a rep. To me, he's I, not a rep um, standard footballer. I turned this off after 14 minutes. Well, you didn't miss out because so it, I, I'm sick of I'm sick of watching a team that doesn't give a shit. They don't care. Like they're hot and cold. They've got no passion for the jersey. They're not playing for the coach. Um, yeah, you know, I've, I've I've worked a little bit with uh, Garth Brennan at Penrith, and our, I don't know whether he's a good coach or you know an, an NRL standard coach. I know that he knows what he's doing. I know that he would have taken a lot of ideas that are working at Penrith and implemented them up there on the Gold Coast. They're not working. Um, and whether that's the fact that he hasn't been able to execute it or he's not doing a great job transferring it and teaching it to his players, I doubt that that's the case. I reckon he's probably doing a good job up there teaching them and I think he's just not getting the response that he needs from the players because the players aren't good enough, to be fair. Like, I still like think you said, he needs to turn some players over. I get that. I was ultra critical last week of him playing Cartwright at five eight again, and then look how that turns out. It's not so much Cartwright's offense; it's his defense. His defense is he missed eight tackles on the um, weekend. Yeah, he's just losing his legs in tackles, and before he he, he gets there, like he's defending, defending like a park footballer. To be fair, so I yeah, I, I don't know how you would consider any player for State of Origin in that team, apart from Jai Arrow, who's just busting his ass every week. Mm. And he obviously got hurt. The rest of it, let's face it, they're, you know, Manly are... We, the Titans have beaten Manly. And Manly are below the Titans on the ladder. But Manly try a shitload harder than the Gold Coast. Does. 100%. And I'm a Titans fan, and I tip Manly to win the wooden spoon. Mm. So I don't have an agenda. I, if anything, I should be saying that Manly are going to finish with a wooden spoon. But... It would be an injustice at the moment that if Manly finished with a spoon, it would only be because they've run out of troops because their effort is 10 times better than the Gold Coast. Um, and they've got more depth at the Gold Coast and a couple of good kids coming through. Well, you go through the Gold Coast forward pack. Yeah. You go through their halves. You James, go through their Proctor, Wallace, You go Arrow, through the centres. They've, they've got a Rain. side that should be pushing for a top eight spot. I don't give a shit what anyone says. Yeah. Like people that go, oh, their roster isn't any good. Well, Bullshit. It's, it's not nearly... Um, you know, as bad as someone like Manly's. Well, I think Manly's you know, got or, a good top end, like, but I think you've like also... Paramount. Look yeah. at Paramount's forward pack. Yeah. They're getting shredded. Yeah. Um, even think... the West Tigers. You go man for man with the West Tigers. The West Tigers are, are a product of, you know, I'm not saying they've got bad players, but they've got more players who would be in the median or the average NRL type player. The, the Titans have got more top end players than the Tigers do. Well, I still think the a thing and here. They beat is... Melbourne twice. We got Melbourne this week. I, I would be shocked if Melbourne didn't beat the Titans by at least four tries. Well, I think you're going to have the factor of a couple of changes and a couple of guys come back in the debut where they probably do throw something up this yeah, week. But this I... is my issue. You guys do this every so often. Like you get towed up by the Dragons, have a good game the week after and get a win, and then they go to Penrith and get walloped, and then turn up and have a crack again, and then get smashed. Uh, again on the weekend or have a poor game like, it's just so hot and cold but I still think there's a few guys there that have been part of the furniture for a while that need to go yeah um, not saying James is one of those guys I, but I, I, I'd, I'd punch James I'm, I'm a bit 50-50 on him being like a leader or a captain of that club whether he's a local junior or not I think Hurrell's contract's terrible he'd need to go um, Pete's the money he was asking given injuries not so much effort or form more recently 
and the fact that Rain's there probably on a cheaper price and offers more an attack. Yeah. His deal, whatever he got last year, if he's got a year or two, like I like him as a footballer, but um, I just think he, I thought he would develop a bit more on that side of the ball by now. But I, I still think there's some turnover to be done in that roster before Brennan is in full control. Yeah. But I still think the Cartwright thing's on him, and I said this to you and you agreed with me. He's the one who brought him up there. He renewed the contract and gave him a four-year deal worth decent money, which I wouldn't have done given his situation. It didn't make sense. He's the one who's got to land on his own sword for that one if he's going to keep pushing the wheelbarrow or play him on the bench or whatever the circumstances are. Yeah, That I was his call. So... Uh, on the Canberra side, though, right edge was really, really good, as it always is. Uh, very, very dangerous. Lapana, they're back to playing some good football. Lapana's absolutely outstanding. Nick Kotrick's yardage work. I don't know how we pick a w- the wingers. Like People are worried about wingers. I think New South Wales, we've got plenty of options. Adokar, Kotrick, there's some real good options there. I think we're going to have, you know, and with the Tom Javoyevich gets one of those spots and Tedesco plays fullback. We've got some real good options. But those two guys with set starts. Jackie, since his issue, has been playing really good football. Uh, Paulo, Boydie, obviously, contract years for them. Paulo was pretty good until he hurt the foot. Boydie's obviously trying to make a statement right now because I'm pretty sure Canberra went a bit under what he was hoping for and the Titans have made him a big offer. So contract year, you generally see guys step up. He had an outstanding game as well. Um, Harvey's grown another leg the more he's played at nine behind that forward pack as well. And I think Blake Austin had a pretty steady game. So it, it was pretty well-rounded by Canberra. Uh, the Titans... Scoreboard to me, like they scored two two errors off kicks, and it wasn't quite a reflection. Probably the one real highlight for me was the eighteen year old debutant, uh, Milwaukee Fotuaka, who I thought was one of their better players. Yeah, he had a real crack, and he did make an error. Um, but other than that, over hundred meters, couple of offloads. Like this is an eighteen year old kid playing against men in a side that's playing quite poorly, and he was in their top three best players. I thought, mm. which is massive for an eighteen year old, huge. So congratulations to him. Uh, on his debut, but they were blown off the park. 15 errors, 45 missed tackles, 65% completion rate. And like you talk about creativity or making a dent in what you're getting out of your side, the line breaks were 11 to 4. So Canberra just punched holes in the left, right, and center. Well, there you go. Warriors, Tigers. And again, doesn't need a whole lot of explanation for me. This was summed up before kickoff, and I wanted to put as much money on the Warriors as soon as I seen that Elijah Taylor was playing nine, because that to me signaled that we've watched the video and we're worried that our middle is going to get carved apart and dropping little for that reason, fresh off a shoulder, Rico, only a kid. And God, I know who's small in general, said to me that I'm desperate to hold down the middle third. And he made 57 tackles, Elijah Taylor, busted his ass. But my God, the Warriors are hard to contain. And in particular, Bunty Afawa, he, he almost went through clean three or four times. Parsi off the back of it, Roger Tuovasashek trailing on some of those and running off it. Harris comes in with his footwork. They just hammered that middle. And then the yardage from their outside backs, your Fussy Tours, your Marmolos, your Cartas. I think their whole back five is over 100 metres again. So yeah. the summary of that game for me was just the middle third of the field for the Tigers was a constant battle of getting numbers in, trying to slow it down, constantly being caught out short, and the Warriors just getting over the ad line and rolling forward. Um, they had a few moments where they got inside 20 or they tried to threaten, but that defence that we've seen from the Warriors, they've been a lot better this year on line speed intent inside shoulder getting up and cutting down time and space and uncharacter- got to a point where the Warriors were sorry the Tigers kicked on play yeah Benji Marshall kicked on play two I think it was and so. uncharacteristic of the disciplined side defending well and not giving away many errors that we've seen in the first few weeks the last few weeks errors have creeped in and penalties yeah um, and a couple of blokes got put in right. the bin they had 43% of the ball yeah um, but 1900 metres well, negative to 1200 plays. negative plays 16 errors and 11 penalties yeah like Terrible. That's 27. That, that'd be 
as high as what the Gold Coast churned out. So they deserve what they got. Oh, yeah. And like I said, the, the Warriors to me were just ruthless through the middle. Uh, bad ending to the game. Obviously, Johnson, Blair and Luke with their injuries. But one positive that really came out for me, a guy that you guys released to them, Carl Lawton, back on the ground where he broke his leg and things were unquestioned for him, the poor kid. Comes on late for Isaac Luke, scores a double as easy as a lot. Yeah. It has a really solid debut and will probably be getting some more time next week. So that was nice to see. You never want to see blokes get hurt, especially young players um, that have done a real good job. And, uh, you know, what a way to announce yourself to your new club, a new crowd. But for the Tigers, uh, they get Packer back this week. I think that's very helpful. And again, that middle third, they're really missing him. I think Madalino stepped up in his absence, but as a pair together, yeah. they were the real go forward and the force those first few weeks. So they need both of them on the field, especially the pack they're going to be playing the Cowboys. Uh, Elijah Taylor has been named at nine again. I don't know about that as far as what you get out around the ruck, but if he wants to hold things down and he's not confident in Little or Godinay, I think McCurick's the better option out of the defenders. If you want a defensive nine, I think you've got to bring McCurick back in. Hard to argue. So that's a bit awkward, but they need to get back to basics, look at their D, things they'll do in the first few weeks, and scrap the errors and the penalties. The, right now, the discipline, in particular, the errors more so than the penalties. They backed themselves on their line to give the penalties away. I get that. Yeah. But the errors weren't there the first few weeks. They were very high completions, always around 80. Uh, not on the weekend. They, they were very, very poor, and they struggled. 63% completions, 45 misses. 1,900 metres to 1,200. You've just been bulldozed, yeah. had no football, starved. They just got violated. Yeah. There's no other way Hammond. to put it. Um, and I know I've said this a lot this year as well, but Roger Two of us to check healthy and back to playing good football behind a decent forward pack. Very exciting to watch. Yeah, he's as good as a footballer as uh, it was a scene running around at fullback, definitely. Yeah. Uh, Cronulla and the Eels, this game to me was quite poor. Uh, 22-20, not a true reflection of the game. I thought the first half, uh, the Cronulla perspective, was one of the best halves they had all season. I thought they controlled the football. Their attack wasn't too bad. They made a real uh, beef of getting at... Their left edge attack, the Eels' right edge defense, yep. and they did so. Oh, as the TV comes on. Whoa. Um, but- hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two year contracts, they said, What the f are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Yeah, I thought they got there. Chad Townsend, I mean, I've said this a million times, and people may disagree to me, is a very underrated footballer. He controlled things well, uh, set up one of the tries, Backed up on Valentine Holmes as one through the middle. Forced repeat sets. He's just ticks a lot of boxes as a seven. Yeah, I think Cronulla's form might be fake form. I'm not sure. I, I, I don't know. Um, because I'm not sure how good Parramatta are. I, I just don't know. They, they looked... Don't get me wrong. They looked, they looked very good. They still outgridded Melbourne and they've outgridded a couple other teams. Yeah. So I, I don't know. The Sharks, to me, are always going to be in I'm the I'm not eight. sure. There's still one that I'm... Look, I've got them in my top, top eight for power rankings. Yeah. So, I don't know. They're, they're the one one of those sides at the moment, similar to Brisbane. And I just can't get a I can't get a read on. It's it's very very difficult. Yeah. How you, well, how how are you thinking? I I just this think, game. You know, I mean, for I, I, seventy minutes, I thought the cat uh, the sharks were all over them, but then they leaked like a sieve and Parramatta yeah, sort, of, sort of came back. Well, so. I go back to kind of what I said before though. I 
the chopping and change of the spine that needed to settle. Then they've lost Graham, and he got hurt again on the weekend, and he's been in and out. Now Sorensen got injured after coming into fill-in. Bakuya's been in and out. Lewis has been in and out. Gallon's now out. So a bit similar there. They've had some players go in and out. Uh, they've had a couple of guys on their bench that they haven't really used. They relied heavily on a guy like Fafita, who was just quietly epic and has been for the last month. And the other night, he was ridiculous. 70 yeah. minutes, like six offloads, 170 minutes. Like, he, he was incredible. Say whatever you want again. Like I said, personal things, origin, bits and pieces about people. His football doesn't lie. He's right now close to the best front row in the comp form-wise, if not one of. Yeah. He's been brilliant. But I, I just... I still find it hard to get a read on them, but I think all those changes and a couple of injuries in that forward pack, they're just more stable the last couple of years. And I think they're always going to be gritty, which is the one reason I find it hard to kind of write them off. They're always going to be dirty. You know, they're always going to get in your home wrestle with you. Hmm. So. Uh, yeah. Oh, Parramatta, yeah. Parramatta fans would be frustrated with that. Well, Moe's had a kick to draw it up. But yeah, but, but they, got, they, they didn't deserve to be in that game at all. Nah, but forget that. You've gone back to square one. They went away from what worked the last two weeks. They got back to what they did well the year before, which we taught week in, week out. Looking at some of the names and the forward pack and the players, you're like, there's no way they can do the job they're doing. But they were gritty. They were angry. They were getting over the ad line, pushing their numbers. They were aggressive. They were the image of their coach. Yeah. And their defensive intent was great. Last week got a little bit back to a little bit too sideways, not trying to get a good roll on and establish things in the ruck and play off the back of it. There were some errors that creeped in. They were a bit clunky and they were trapped down there and end for a long time. The back end of the game, when it got desperation stakes, they upped the tempo. They played to the middle. They ran harder. They got offloads off the back of it and generated some momentum. They got those few quick tries. Yeah. But they definitely didn't deserve to be in that game. And the one thing I love about Arthur, he's always honest and his press conference basically said as much. Yep. He wasn't happy at all. Mm. Uh, and they can't blame Moses from the kick from the sideline. No way. No, um, no way at all. Yeah. And I, I, the one thing I will say is the positive sign, the reaction at the end of the game, they all got there immediately and rallied around him. And that shows me, hopefully, there's a bit of life there and they know how desperate things are and they're going to need to be good this week against the Bulldogs because much like the Cowboys and a couple of those teams... It's a team. It's a game they need to win. It's heartbeat stuff. They're on life support right now. Yeah. They're really on life support. For the Sharks, uh, again, I think if you're flying again on them, you just want to keep ticking the boxes with the changes you've had and the injuries and the constant disruptions. Yeah, um, and they're doing that. But Townsend to me, it's been outstanding this year. The the, the kind of stable thing, Brayley we don't talk about enough because there's a lot of subtlety to his game. But I think he's an outstanding young nine. And Andrew Fafita's been next level. Yeah, those no, three definitely. were their, their best players by a country yeah. mile. Um, yeah, Dragons Melbourne, uh, Dragons. To sum this up, it looks weird actually when I look at it afterwards. The tries were four three. Yeah. Which wasn't a true reflection, I guess, in the sense of you feel that the Dragons dominated the middle in particular yeah. and dominated that game. But the big difference for me, and we've identified this the last few weeks, some teams are hot and cold on do we take the penalty goals, do we not take the penalty goals. The Dragons have basically got, if we're inside 40, we have enough faith in Gareth Widop's accuracy, or if not his boot, that if he doesn't take the two points, we'll get the ball back from a dropout. And they take every kick, basically depending on wind or where they are, within 35, 40 metres. And there was five penalty goals the other day. And that's that's 10 points for free in the bank, inside well, 40. Yeah. And that, they don't question it. If they're there two minutes in, 70-something minutes in, like, unless it was a game they had to score, which they haven't really been in that situation yet, they're taking every two points they possibly can. And it just nicely accumulates and builds up for them. And you get to that scoreline of 34-14. Take out the penalty goals, it doesn't look as ugly, clearly. But in the crux of things and get back to it, Melbourne didn't start off well. Uh, errors and on the back foot early. I think the, the middle players of the forward pack in general for the Dragons announced themselves that they should be a lot of them playing Origin against a team that... I'm not sure what else they can do. 
people wanted to throw up. But DeBellin was outstanding. Vaughn in his first stint, uh, second stint, didn't get as much time because things were almost wrapped up. Frizzell on the edge, Sims on the edge again, and those guys getting in on the middle. Uh, they basically had their own little internal battle between the two sides, between uh, their own edges. So for Melbourne, it was the Addo Car Munster edge on, I think, their left side of the field. Yeah, it was left, yeah. And Melbourne's left. Yeah, Melbourne's left. And for the Dragons, it was the side with Aiken, Nightingale, etc., which were the opposites of one another. So in attack, they were both going for those edges. And defensively, yeah. the battle was basically one side of the field between the two. Melbourne have been talking about ball control. They completed it at 65%. Yeah. Um, they had 46% of possession. So that pretty much tells you the story. But probably bigger to that, St. George ran all over him in the middle, um, which was interesting for me. Yeah, Nelson and Cassiano were exposed, just, and I said last week. Yeah, that you're missing Bromwich. And, and even Glasby. Glasby just Glasby does a solid well, job, yeah. and you don't want those two guys on there. And at one point, one of the tries got scored. It was a cutback in from Aiken where they dropped him across the line, and he come back to the guts. And the two of the blokes that were standing in there with Smith, who was walking a bit funny all the second half after the shot to the Nazi cop, were Nelson and Cassiano. Yeah. And you don't want to catch those guys flat in the middle. But so. Melbourne generated more line breaks, which is interesting in that it probably tells you that the Dragons really scrambled well to cover up and only allow Melbourne to score 14 points. Yeah. And one of those tries was in garbage time. So, yeah, look, I think the only thing I can take out of this result is that how impressed I am with the Dragons and they are the real deal. Melbourne, I think, are a work in progress. They're still working out their halves. I think I'm not sure whether it's going to be Jack's come finals, come the back end of the year come finals. I think we may see Croft come back in. They're obviously going to need those props back. Well, I was going to um, better throw in there. The one thing I would have... And Curtis Scott being out was a big hole as well. And I was so. about to bring that. I don't think O-line was bad, but if you want to go full continuity, those two middles get limited time. And when Nelson plays more minutes, he gets shuffled to an edge later in the game. He played purely middle the other day with Cassiano. Glasby usually plays rock-solid minutes is good. And Bromwich can play 70 minutes if he needs to. Yeah. Those two back in and Scott, I want to see that game again. The problem is they do play again, but it's during Origin. So they're both going to be missing all the players yeah. that we would have wanted Fake to say. So I'm not knocking, taking anything away from the Dragons win. Outstanding. And putting those guys back in may have not made a difference, but I really want to see that game full medal against full medal because the Dragons were full strength the other day. Bromwich underrated. Glasby did play Origin. Curtis Scott, future rep player. Yeah. So... Massive win, though. Harves were good again. McInnes, if he's not the nine now, I don't even know how RPO ever got in the conversation over the way McInnes has been playing. He was in there. And McInnes has been outstanding. Cook's the only one. Even Cook, I'd take Cook over RP, in all honesty. I, I don't understand all the hype that came around that. But if he hasn't announced himself along with a couple of those forwards or all that forward pack and even you and Aitken, I don't know what else they can do to knock down that door. I really don't. Um, it's going to hurt them, but... They've know. they've banked the points early enough to kind of compensate during that period, and the origin period is a less affected area this year. So uh, McGregor's preparing for it. Like I said, playing guys in cup in specific positions that he thinks he's going to lose players. He debuted Robson. He's given Sello a little taste. This week he's got Zach Lomax, one of the outside backs, named in the bench, so he might get a couple of minutes as well. He's slowly trying to prep for what is potentially going to be a bit of a player drone. Um, but, yeah, they dominated this game. Um, and the penalty goal thing is smart. They're doing it better than anyone, and they've got yeah, a sharp shooter. they just shooter. do it all the time. Yeah. yeah. They just stick to it. It's a flat plan. And he knows even for distance, if he's not going to be that accurate, he's going to make sure it goes dead so they keep the football. Correct. Um, they're a very good football side. There's no other way to put it. And the other thing to think about, them getting dominated in the middle, only one Melbourne forward had over 100 metres. Most of them around 50, 60. They were very poor and controlled. Uh, Dale Finucane's the only guy who cracked the 
the ton. Yeah. Addo Cardo is the other flip side of that. And Munster, despite the poor game all around by Melbourne, if those two guys aren't playing Origin either, I'm not here. Josh Addo Cardo was outstanding. And Munster has been brilliant all year. And I throw up the hand myself that I thought he was more a fullback than a well, six. Addo ran for almost 200 metres. Well, he made five line breaks. His yardage works. Forget yardage. I question that before. He ran for more metres than anyone on the field. I question his yardage work before he got there last year, but his speed, the way he moves, he gets between tackles, he makes guys miss still. He does a good enough job in yardage, regardless of what anyone thinks. Scored all the Melbourne's tries. Yeah. Super impressive. Brilliant. Last game of the round, to me, was a Barry Crocker. Roosters Manly. The Roosters, to me, were poor again. I thought Manly were much more keen and involved in this game. The the tries were poor, though. The goal line defense was poor. The soft crash over early for Adenfanua Blake. Aki Uate from dummy half. They're up 10-0. Uh, how daily Cherry Evans misses that kick from in front is just embarrassing. And at the end of the day, people can say what they want. But at the end of the game, I think even he was going to the press conference, oh, didn't just come back to that kick. Well, it did go into golden point in the end. And you should knock that over. You're playing in the NRL. It's not something to laugh off. If you are the full-time goal kicker now, yeah. that's your bread and butter. You don't miss those kicks. Yeah, I, um, This game's, when you look at it, in numbers purely, which is something we don't like to do. But. 56% possession. They ran for 500 metres more than the Roosters. Yeah, six they, line breaks to three. Post-contact um, metres was 200 metres more. They they dominated just they about every facet. They missed tackles. They made 11 errors, conceded 12 penalties. They completed at 70%. Like... I've got, no, I've got no idea how the Roosters won this game, apart from the fact that Manly just couldn't convert all of that possession and field position into points. Manly, I thought, played with a lot of intensity. They they were out there trying their best. Yeah, Tapau was, again, similar to... We talk about front rowers in Rich Vane's form at the moment. 290 metres, That's seven crazy. tackle breaks, three offloads, 26 tackles. The only blight on his game was one miss, no errors. Well, even Jake Trevojevic ran for 200. Yeah, a couple massive. of line breaks. He yeah. had a big game. I think Fanua Blake in shorter minutes, obviously, was very effective as well. But... Yeah. Um, yeah, they're just it's it just is as we all know in football when you're trying to dig yourself out of a hole and you are trying hard and they did on the weekend sometimes you still just can't get yourself over the line. Yeah. And even with that late try that Uate got there, they had the chance uh, to pull themselves into that game and they couldn't get it done. And it, you go back to that kick, and I don't care what he says, that's bread and butter in the NRL. You got to kick those. Yeah. That's golden point. I agree. So look at uh, look at the percentage that Gareth Whitup's kicking at. If you want to be a goal kicker, you've got to. You've got to be knocking them over from everywhere. All much. in all, though, for the Roosters, their big names are still poor. They've been poor. I think Kiri's struggling. Kronk's been ordinary, and it's getting worse, to be honest. I think he's really struggling in that setup. Tedesco is a victim of the forward pack in front of him and what's happened with the halves around him. I think those forwards are still struggling. Tokiaho is the one every week that's consistent, and he had a very good game. And Victor Adley off the bench has been a game changer. Yep. He doesn't stop Walker. They lose that game. That's another try that you've lost there. And he whacked yeah. tap out twice, even though one was high, and I think he got charged for it. He's he's a tempo setter. He gets on the field. He tries to change things up. And no wonder Trent Robbins is up banging the box in that, because right now he's not getting much out of anyone else. Where's yeah. Dylan Arpa been for him? Jared Reid scored a good try where he ran over Lane, but we're still not seeing enough of the aggro Jared that we love to see. Like That hasn't been there either. And the edges, people are bagging on Corden right now, but he's a victim again of what happens in the middle first to get the ball on the edge, the way he gets played in the holes. And Cooper Cronk, no offense, doesn't play into the line and run and challenge anywhere near as much as, say, a Mitchell Pierce did. So for all the detractors for Mitchell Pierce out there, I think he fitted in much better with the way the Roosters like to play than what Cooper Cronk does at this point in time. 
I'd argue. So they've got, still got a hell of a lot to work on, that's for sure. It's really questionable at this point in time. But they've still found five wins. So uh, they're ticking along and they're getting the job done. But it's got to click at some point or something's got to change. Because yeah. it's still very poor, it's very poor viewing. They're winning with all those numbers. It's crazy. Oh, insane. For Manly, the drama continues. They're still hurting. 21 players left. Um, you know, they're just pushing on every week, trying to do their absolute best. Talk is Uardo's been shopped around right now to leave if he wants to to free up a bit of space. Uh, there's four or five guys that are off contract that have already told next year they're not going to be off of contracts because full stop, they need to free up money for back-ended contracts to try and keep guys in to even field what they need to field. So it's not getting much better there. Nope. And there you go. That wraps up the reviews of the games from the weekend. Uh, we jump in now to your fan questions. Thanks to Poker Deluxe, www.pokerdeluxe.com.au. And uh, footy season is back. And if you're part of a sports team, you're looking for a fundraising idea, look no further than Poker Deluxe. They're the industry leaders in fundraising events and sporting clubs with over 10 years' experience. Paul and Adam and the team there are very passionate about what they do and committed to raising much-needed funds for your local club. They come with a whopping $1,000 profit guarantee as a minimum. They also provide all the equipment, host the run the night, and over $2,000 worth of prizes to be won. It's a no-brainer. If you're on the committee or involved in a club or any sports team, get onto the boys at pokerdeluxe.com.au and see how they can get you $1,000 while putting on a really good night. To date, they've raised $1.5 million for sporting clubs around. So remember, get on to www.pokerdeluxe.com.au for your fundraisers and an offer from them, $100 off what it costs to actually put the event on. So get into contact with them, have a chat with the boys, see what it's worth. $1,000 in the kitty, $100 off the prize on top of that, plus the night, whatever you end up setting up around, and I'm sure you can turn it into a pretty profitable evening. Uh, and on top of that, they don't just do these. They do corporate functions. They can teach you how to play cards. They do bucks parties. And they're across all states in Australia. Pokerlux.com.au. Uh, but fan questions, Box said. We'll jump straight in here and try and punch for these. Gavin Carr says, Ashley Klein. So no real questions. Gav's a Penrith fan, so I'm assuming he's disappointed with something that's happened in the Penrith and Cowboys game. But uh, I didn't have a whole lot wrong. It's a statement. Didn't have a whole lot wrong with a lot of what he did in that game. I thought Penrith were outstanding to fight their way back into it. Um, the sin bin, if you want to question that. I can somewhat see, but other than that, I didn't think he was all that bad. Uh, Omar Hader, is Alex Johnson a viable option for the Blues at fullback? No. No. Definitely not. Not at this point. He says all the talk seems to be Tedesco and Chaboyevic. They're both not playing well. AJ's playing well. He's playing well. And he did play for Australia, but that was on the wing. Interested in your thoughts. Uh, he's definitely not going to be playing fullback. His uh, kick return is nowhere near as good as those two blokes. His ball playing is developing, but still not as good as those two blokes. Uh, but he is playing well, no doubt about it. John Renahan, the refs make mistakes, we all agree. Uh, so why does the NRL make such a big deal when the coach points out the mistakes? Refs should, in good faith, give their wage for a game to the St. I Dogs to show good faith. Oh, I spoke about that earlier. Yeah, I think Brock's addressed most of what you're talking about, champion. Uh, Graham Wright, Warrington questions champions. Tyron Roberts, he's doing okay, not great. Now the weather has warmed up. One, how good can he be? And two, are uh, the rumors true he wants to return to the NRL? But we've heard that, yeah, he, he wants to return. Can he be good? He's an outstanding footballer. He's a great runner of the ball. He's a good kicker. When he's on, he's on. But I'm hearing exactly what Brock is. So I don't know if that form is going to turn around. And I'm hearing he wants to get up to the Gold Coast. Ash Taylor is one of his best mates. It's nice and warm. I think he's regretting the decision he's made, unfortunately, for you guys. And if someone's not in the right mental headspace, you don't want him there. Correct. You want someone who wants to beat your club. Uh, Wilfred Z, is Stephen Kearney a good coach, given the massive change from the Warriors of the past two years and this year? Oh, he, no doubt he's a good coach. He's had one of the best apprenticeships in the game, and we've questioned, I guess, more the confidence in his ability to put things in place rather than play so structured. 
complete sets, not look for errors. Uh, look back to Parramatta and even last year. Two years at Parramatta, highest completion rate in the comp. But what do you do with the football? Nothing. Recruitment was questionable to the way he wanted to play football. He wanted to play Melbourne football with Chris Sander. Questionable. Yeah. Uh, first year last year, highest completion rate, least amount of offloads, low tackle breaks for the Warriors, who we don't associate with that. This year, it looks like he's finally decided, loosen up the shackles, do a little bit more coaching, have a bit more conviction Get and confidence in what hell. I'm doing. Got him fit as hell. Super aggressive and personal when you watch that uh, preseason thing with him just getting in their faces and putting a bit of fire back in the belly, which is showing the way they've played. And he's also handed a little responsibility off to his assistant coaches and Stacey Jones and McFadden, who are both halves coaches, I think, and let the reins off a bit. And it's shown in the way they're playing. Truth. And he's done a good job with New Zealand. So there's no way he's a bad coach. Yeah. I think he, I think he's honestly lacked that confidence to maybe free things up a little bit. He's just tried to keep things so tight. And I just, I just don't quite understand it. Yeah. <sighs> Mike Winkley, at the moment, there seems to be a big increase in teams taking the two points on offer as compared to a few years ago. What do you think is the reasoning and is it beneficial as a spectacle? Also, in your opinion, does a team taking the two early in a game set the tone for the rest of the game in terms of scoring? Oh, it's all situational. I tend to think that if you take it once, you should take it for the majority. Um, if you don't, there's only certain uh, situations where you would take yeah, it. If you're like going to square it up. Or at halftime, or, or if, square it up, or yeah. to go ahead by eight. Or if it's late and you need to get ahead and yeah. you haven't been able to score, you take the two. Or if you're a bit tired, you need a break. Mm. Some people take them during sin bins if they get a penalty at the opposite yeah. end. But I think realistically, each team's got a theory. We just spoke about like the Dragons. The Dragons pretty much think that within 40, unless the conditions are poor, they're going to back Widop to knock it over or kick it dead and get the ball back. And they're going to take all the free points they can get their hands on. And then they're just going to come back at you and come after you again. Yeah. Uh, Brisbane a couple of years ago used to be like that. When the Dragons were coached by Wayne Bennett, it was basically we take the two regardless. You get some teams that have a few cracks, and if they get repeat penalties, then they'll take the two. But I think it just more comes down to the coach and what your, your theory is as a team. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. Uh, James Heron, St. Lattimore's day from here on the 6th of May for punching the balls that we have all wanted to at some point. So he's referring to Lattimore punching Smith in the nuts when he got left on the ground. Oh, in the I hope it wasn't deliberate. But there was a lot of dirty shit that went on in that game. Yeah, so well, everyone's going on about him. Into it. He forearmed him and elbowed him. Yeah, he did. And fair play. He banged him in the beanbag afterwards. So you want to take a man down, straight shot in the nuts usually does it. Yeah. No doubt about that. Scott Brownie says, Tarek Sins for Origin, surely would you pick him in front of Cordner? I wouldn't pick him in front of a Cordner. I'd put him on the bench. Because he can play tight. I don't think Cordner's playing well enough to be in the side. But I don't. Captain. But one of the only people in our team when we talk about incumbency or people that deserve to be there that's done a job for us in the past yeah. is Boyd Cordner. Once he whacks that jersey on, he'll do a good job. And he's done the same for Australia. So he's one of the only ones I'm willing to give that kind of pass to. And it's hard to work out the Roosters club form. So. Yeah. Sims is definitely in my side though. I, yeah. I've got my bench basically loaded up with guys that can play tight and an edge or locks because... I'm not sure he's going he's gonna to get in, but... I don't know, but I'll tell you what, he couldn't have done much more. I think no, I, I, I think he can yeah. find himself on the bench, mate, but uh, I, I'd like we'll to think see. so. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, Brendan Savage, given the f- poor form of Tedesco and Turbo at one lately, are they still in your 1-5 to five origin? If so, who is your 1-5? to five? Tedesco's my Tedesco's one. the one. You stick with that. He was good for us in origin last year. Uh, new coach, different style. I think he'll benefit from the way. Adam and- Carr would be another. Adam Carr. I'd probably pick Latrell. He's your left centre right now because we don't really have any left centres. The only other left centre that would... Big Curtis Scott. He's injured. And I think more football has been played by Latrell at this point. But Dugan, I wouldn't have picked even if he was healthy. He's in the frame. I think Aiken's got his hands on that that right jersey right now if you're looking at it. 
your wings, I could honestly say that you could have two debutants in Kotrick and Addo Carr, but I'd be happy if Tom ended up on one of those. And I think they all love Tom. They really do. So I think he'll probably will end up on one of those wings yeah. over either a Kotrick or Addo Carr. But I'd more say if it's going to be Kotrick or Addo Carr and Tom's already got the other spot, who would you pick out of those two? Addo Carr. You want the dynamic ability and the, yeah. the ability to go forward? I think forward. Addo Carr should be, well, the first outside back I'd pick. He's been pretty with bloody co- good. With confidence, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I think the center is the real question there, Brandon. I think uh, Tedesco will be in, and if I'm picking what the selectors are thinking, I don't think they're going to leave Tom out either. So I think Tedesco's your fullback. Uh, Turbo's on a wing. I think Adokar's a big chance the other wing, and I think Aiken's in. The other center spot, who they pick, if Dugan's not healthy, I think they're going to have to look at Luttrell because we need a left center. Yeah. Uh, Andrew Wales, seriously, how can the Titans pick Cartwright at six? It ain't going to work. They've got no idea. Well, they're not picking him at six anymore, champ, and it's taken them a couple of weeks to figure it out Last somehow. but. Weeks. Uh, yeah, AJ Brimson made the under-20s team of the year. He's in there this week. If you're going to play someone in a position, put someone in there that's at the top of their game. The young kid, they signed him. He was the best in the 20s for a reason, so why not give him a crap? And he's been good at cup. That's the thing. When you put him in cup, you want him to play well. He has played well. Give him his chance. Yep. You could be doing much worse. Matt Cherry, given how well the Rabbitohs' left side attack is going, what are the chances of Cody Walker sneaking out the origin side? would allow Maloney to be the dominant half while offering a great running threat. Gus Gould reckons there's a shot coming in the halves. Is this it? No. Nah, I, I, I love love him as a player champion. I'm sure Brock agrees, but I think what I said earlier is pretty much spot on. Why he's so good in attack, so dangerous, so creative, great with the ball, ticks all those boxes defensively. When you watch them on the weekend, some of the tries that come through him and Sutton, uh, he's definitely not built defensively for Origin, that's for sure. So for that reason, I, I couldn't pick him. I think the shock would be Blake Green. I think that could be, yeah, that definitely could know. be one. Yeah, I, I don't know. Where I tend to lean. If they pick him, he's going to need someone on the left hand side of him who's going to do a hell of a job because he's quite poor defensively, unfortunately. But he's an outstanding footballer, no doubt about it. Uh, Ruben Anthony Harding, more daily buzz and pommy bloke impersonation, please. Well, Ruben, I don't know why you persist on the boys making fun of Buzz. I just really don't get it. Buzz is a clown. I don't know. The Pommy bloke, my favourite Pommy, what we used to do a couple of years ago, who's the Manchester United bloke that I love? Oh, Andy Tate. Anyone out there, if you've not seen Andy Tate, the Manchester United hardcore fan after Alex Ferguson retired, the great manager, and David Moyes took over, do yourself a favour and look that up. He basically has a meltdown that the club is just terrible, even though they've won like seven Premier League titles in a 20-year reign, and he just goes off. I'm sorry to say, but it's Moyes' You give and you give and you give to this club and you get nothing back. You're a fool and a waste of time. Good night. He blows up. He like, it's great. Andy Tate, get on that. Uh, Jordan Palmer talking about the ladder point system again. I've just started playing Union. I reckon the point system in our comp would be great for rugby league. Three points for a win. Bonus point if you score four tries. Zero for a loss. One point if you lose by less than seven, which would be a converted try and two for a draw. So that would mean we piss off golden point for regular comp games. Thoughts? I don't give points for losses, champ. So, uh, and bonus points to tries again. I I wouldn't do it. So, understandable, but two completely different games. We don't play in sevens. We play in evens. Besides the field goal, um, yeah, I, I I don't give bonus points. A win's a win. A loss is a loss. You get nothing for a loss. Golden point. Just get rid of it. Have a draw. Simple. One point. Two one zero. That's as simple as it is. My school side had a draw today. Suck yeah. it up. That's right. That's Zach Maitland, who would you pick from our current young crop to be the best players in five to ten years? Pick one forward, one outside back, and one playmaker hooker. Next five to ten years, one of the best forwards. Well, I think Pungai Jr. is well on his way to being one of the best forwards. 
He's only 22. If you want to go coming up in the next kind of generation. One I, of the, I like uh, Fitzgibbon from Newcastle. Yeah. Best outside backs. Uh, Kotrick's, to me, a young guy who's still only 20, 21 years old. He's going to be one of the best outside backs moving forward the next five to 10 years, I think. I think he'll play origin football at some stage. Mm. Nick Kotrick. I think the kid, the winger for the Gold Coast. What's the one that came in early this year? Philip Sammy. Yeah. He's still yeah. there. He could be solid. Yep. Uh, a playmaker or a hooker? Nathan Cleary. Yeah, well, that's so. You've, you you've basically got you on for the next five, ten years if you want a half. As far as hookers are concerned, I like Reese Robson at the Dragons, but he's blocked right now by McInnes, who's not that old either. So, hard path from him. I like Brayley. So, I think Brayley will develop into a good nine. I'd go Brayley, and I'd like to see Brandon Smith when Cameron Smith retires. Yeah, I really liked him in the 20s. He's a good footballer. Scott Lockyer, dog second try. Darius slips, knocks on, then tries to scoot the ball back into his body after touching it. The knock on isn't the play already dead. Well, the touch and the knock on were all off him and his body, and then the ball come free after that. So it hasn't touched a bulldog. That doesn't constitute a knock on off them and off him. So I, cert- I watched the game and I certainly didn't think it was the wrong call. No, I was fine with it playing on. Mitch Madley as coaches, what would you say to a player down on confidence like Tommy Turbo, who he seems to be? Flush it. Next game. Don't dwell on it. Dwelling on it isn't, isn't going to help him at the moment. Like I don't think he's playing that bad, Tom Trevojevic. No, I think I, it's... I think his buzz has been a little bit higher than what he deserves. Don't he's still a kid, though. But he's a baby, yeah. And you're going to have flat spots. Like, he's rode the high of coming in and playing well. Then he had the full year last season. He's had a couple of injuries. Now the club's in a bit of trauma. They're constantly under the pump. His team's not playing as well as they should be. I think he's just feeling the weight of everything. And, you know, why wouldn't you be surprised for a 20, 21-year-old kid to be feeling the pressure a little bit? He's still making yeah, huge meters. As well. I think there's a lot of that, a lot of guys at that club feeling the pinch. Yeah. Uh, Michal Maguire, a bit off topic. What do you gents think of the Denver test? Been a bit of a controversy on this side of the globe. The NRL threatening not to release players, etc. Plenty of fate would blame them for not prioritizing their comp over the general good of the game. Well, my issue it's is shit the general good of the game. It's shit timing. It's the middle of the season. And the, the NRL clubs, clubs are not clubs getting any compensation. Yeah. And this is a promoter who's not helping the NRL. They're pocketing the cash. That's the problem. This yeah. should all be done in conjunction and set up properly. So my issue, no different to if I'm paying the wages of, you know, a couple of the Melbourne players is why am I paying you a million dollars to potentially go, go get hurt playing for international? Yeah, I get that, good at the game, but for who? For a promoter who's getting pocket money. Is it a circus? Because for me, a circus rolls into town and leaves. Rolls out. What's the, the what's the imprint that this is going to have yeah. what's in the long term for the game? Exactly. And where's the me, conjunction? The it's not there. Yeah. Where's the conjunction between international rugby league, the competitions, the NRL, everyone involved? Like the, the timing's just shit house. I'm still going to watch it, and I'd love to see it. But from clubs, I'm not surprised they're kicking up a stink. Mm. They're not getting any benefit. Much like the All Stars game the other year. Uh, Kirk, you lit the time. Best Newcastle player gets hurt by one of his own teammates in a the game. They get no dispensation in the salary cap, and they spend their whole year paying a wage for a bloke they, they can't even get a game out of. Yeah. Uh, there's no advantage for the clubs over. Stuart Bork, that storm, no try. What a joke. Uh, yeah, no disagreement agree. there. Robbie Ryan, if two teams from the bottom eight were to force their way into the top eight by September, who would they be and who would they force out? The only real possibility I can see is the Tigers dropping out in place of the Broncos. Well, the Broncos are already in the eight, I think. If you're going to say two teams outside right now, it'd be the Raiders and the Roosters. Yeah. Realistically. Uh, they're the two I'd be looking at. Uh, Andrew Bennett how much did Dean Pay look like his old boss Sticky in his press conference this week wasn't as angry as Sticky uh, Sticky likes to go off angry, yeah. uh, Matt Elliard do you reckon the NRL actually consider letting Gus take a lead over the referees would it be a good idea or just Gus talking out of his ass when was that how, how can a, someone who is a GM at a club 
take control of the referees. It's just ridiculous. It's I'd, a conflict of interest. So I didn't hear unless it. He's gonna, unless he's going to give up his job at Penrith and then go and do that full time, then end of story. Yeah. Chris Cicluna, why is it so hard to be a Titan supporter? <laughs> well, I think we've gone over this plenty of times. The reason is why it's hard because to be. Because they're shit. Yeah. I still think, like I said, there's a couple of players there and a culture change that needs to happen. Uh, and I'll go back to something I probably didn't say earlier. I think player power sorted out what happened last year and there's still a few of those guys there that brought Brennan in and they're all happy and We got rid of Payne but... and then now they've rolled Cartwright into town. They had Dave Taylor before that. It's just the history of just panic buying. Like, and now they're going to go and buy Shannon Boyd for $700,000. Like, it's just stupid. Yeah, not really great, is it? Uh, Daniel Friend, not really a question, but I'm seriously impressed with the development of Cameron Munster for someone who is basically just a ball runner. His all-round game has gone to another level this season. Uh, no disagreements here, mate. Also very impressed. Adam Thomas, how are the Broncos actually going? Our forwards seem to be good, but our backs and halves pairing seem to be struggling. They seem to not really be winning on their own merits, but they are winning. What needs to change? Well, I think I covered that earlier. No yeah. consistency in the halves. Didn't address the seven situation. You've got a very expensive number six who likes to play off the cuff, eyes up and off the back of a good forward pack, but he needs a seven to guide things around for him. Uh, I think Boyd's been a bit better the last few weeks, but doesn't contribute as much as what you want from your one with the injuries he's had. Uh, but at the end of the day, forward pack to me is the main thing. It's going good. It's improving. It's going very well, but um, just having a genuine seven and just the way they're attacking, I guess. I think their their attack is a bit confusing at times to me. Yeah. So, big part of that is just having a dominant player guide them around the field, though, and they don't have that right now. So, that's, that's the main thing I think needs to be addressed. Uh, we've got Daniel Bennett. Which players will the Dogs have to get rid of in order to squeeze the salary cap money to fit in the 30-man roster for next year? As a South fan, I'd love to see us open up talks with Fatala Mariner to replace Crichton. Well, Mariner, as far as I know, is locked up for a couple of years. The Morris brothers are both off contract. Eastwood is off contract, and there's a couple of smaller contracts that will go out the door. Between those three alone, you're talking close to $2 million. The problem is, I said before, back end of deals for Jackson, Clemmer, etc. So they're not out of the woods yet. I think the overlying contract they're trying to get rid of, and we've said a few times in this show, is Aiden Tolman because he got a back end of deal worth close to $600,000, $700,000, and he's got a couple of years to run. They want him out, and they want him out now. Um, and then they're going to have to just simply go out and find a couple of bargain buyers to fill the gaps in because they're just not going to have the money and they've got too many contracts they're locked into. Yeah, it's going to be so. interesting to see how that all pans out. Yeah. Uh, Jason Williams, not so much decisions by the officials, but the blatant inconsistency, which is in every single game. Correct. Little different refs, different interpretation, pocket refs, guys yelling yep. at each other's ear. You're going to get consistency. I think, and I, I honestly think we should go back to one ref. <coughs> oh. Apologies there. Jamie Wesley is a manly fan. I'm glad it's only 122 days till the NFL kicks off. Go Hawks. Stick the Hawks up your ass. I was going to say, I wouldn't be getting too excited after the draft that I saw. You yeah. took a running back that you could have got, I reckon, a lot later and a lot of other guys. And they took the one-armed man. The one-armed man. Shaquem. He goes good, though. I reckon he'll be all right. I know that. He's only got one arm. But, yeah, a bit of... Uh, hand. Bit of salary cap drama you want to talk about over there. They're doing a bit of a clean out the moment, the old Seahawks as well. Russell Wilson, definitely their best player the, by uh, more. The Falcons have dust in this year. That's ah, all good. Mike Goldsworthy is Kieran Foy, the most overrated player in the NRL. And his last two clubs have improved significantly from an attacking perspective after he left. And his current club is seeing no benefit with him on board. I don't think they're seeing no benefit with him on board. I think he's a decent footballer, but did the Bulldogs mess up or Des Hasler by thinking that were the saving signing after off-field dramas, he's... constant injuries and physical issues? That was on them. 
you can't question the effort and the intent of Kieran Foran, but the physical issues are real. He's busted. He's busted. Simple. He's not the player he was a couple of years ago because physically, mentally it's there. He hit the ability and the attitude's there, but physically he, it's just not. Yeah. Just not. Uh, Andrew Cometo, the Iazarko knock-on controversy. Dean Pace fine. The Atacano try. The amount of missed forward pass in the Roosters man of the game. Uh, the Cowboys on the way back up. Can the Warriors continue their run? So you basically touched on all the things about the referee we've addressed that. Cowboys on the way back up, well, they've got to win this week, plain and simple. And the Warriors have already showed they can win with that, guys. So um, challenge this week against the Roosters, but they've done it the other week. So why not? Fair. Nigel Huntley. Couldn't, couldn't tell the difference between Radley's shot on Tapau and Clemens hit on Payne Haas. Both players' shoulders hit the opponent in the head. One was a grade two. The other was a knock-on and no further action taken. Well, I sat there on the night thinking whether he meant to hit him or not, and I think Haas kind of slipped into his one because he deflected off another player. It's still a shoulder to the face. Uh, and he knocked him out, and he hurt his ankle in the process. The intent wasn't so much like Radley. Radley left his feet and launched and hit him in the face on his own. So I will give Clemmer a little bit of the benefit of the doubt that he's deflected off another player first, Haas, which has guided him into that shoulder. But I thought they might have got a penalty. I don't think he should have been suspended for it, though. No, I mean, I agree. So, uh, yeah, a little bit of difference there. Christopher Hill, with the Titans committing to Ash Taylor, what do they need to bring to out the best in him? Does he need a halves coach to mentor him, similar to Walters, or does he need... Better older halves partner. Not a lot on the markup, but who would you recommend down that track? Benji is off contract in 19 and might be worth a one-year deal no. if LG is on the nose and Cartwright is still no. crap. Well, LG's not... Uh, sorry, LG could be the answer if he finds confidence and form, but he needs a forward pack going forward and them to believe in him, which clearly they don't. Yeah. Cartwright's definitely not the answer. You don't go get an old bloke to plug with him for a year. They need the blokes there to perform. How about that? The guys around him to consistently perform. And he's he's a big part of that as well. He's not consistent. No, nah, he's, he's definitely not consistent. He's just as guilty as the rest of them. And, he, and this is one thing I don't get when people say he's next in line for origin over a lot of guys. As much as I don't... No, he's not. We're not big fans of what Cherry Evans did the other year. I'd pick Cherry Evans, Norman, a lot of guys before I'd pick Ash Taylor. Absolutely. He has glimpses in games and everything's going well. The big problem for him, unlike a Thurston, who's there for everything regardless of how things are going. As soon as things are going bad or forwards aren't going forward... Ash Taylor parks himself on that edge and he finds his way out of the game. Yeah. So, young or not, he's got a lot of things he still needs to learn. Correct. Johnny Ashko, have the Bulldogs become an irrelevant club? Feels like they've been treading water since Folksy was moved on. Well, they're, they're treading water, no doubt. They as did, a result of what pretty much he's handcuffed them to. They did play two grand finals with Hasler, so I wouldn't say they've been irrelevant. Um, but yeah, he's definitely put him in a poor situation now by back ending deals for what he feels is a premiership window and he feels you should go all in for that stage and then. When shit hits the fan a bit later, you basically go to your fans, well, we won a couple of comps, just deal with what they're going through right now. But the problem is they didn't win any comps and they've left them in a mess. Um, whereas at Manly, I guess they were willing to swallow it a little bit because why back end of deals, they won a couple of competitions. Um, so I, I, I suppose the backlash hasn't been as bad, but for the yeah. Bulldogs, yeah. William Robinson, it's time for Buzz Rothfield to retire on NRL 360. It's hard to understand him over the sound of his face melting onto the microphone. True. Snap. Oh, I don't want him to retire, but nah. we, we'd have no ammo. Nah. So good, man. Uh, how far through Penrith stocks do they have to go before they ask you lads to take a run? Well, fuck me, mate. I'll tell you what, they'd be pretty desperate if they asked us what? to take a run. I've got bloody pretzel legs, so that wouldn't be working too well for me. My bung knees and Brocky's, Rocky Boulder, the old shoulder, the first person he bounces off, his arm will be hanging out the socket. So, yeah, not much good coming. I'm crack, but... No, I'd have a crack too. I'd happily play a game in the NRL and get knocked out off the kickoff by someone. That's fine. Right. Uh, Dan, the sportress, with plenty of money being touted for props, e.g. Boyd, Paulo, is there a new market for normal props? Uh, I don't think so. I think your top end's getting, you know, 
what clubs see that are fit to pay them. They obviously feel that they you need a prop, and I think that's one of those positions if I was starting a club tomorrow that you need to have. I think you need to have a good half, a hooker, a fullback, like you address most of your spine, but I think you've got to have one really good back row and one really good prop um, at least to build around. But I think there's a new market or a new benchmark for props. There's a higher value on guys, especially playing big minutes who are mobile and have the ability to offload and can play, uh, you know, 60, 65. Yeah. Your Bromwiches, et cetera. I don't think Paulo or Boyer in that echelon, which surprised me the money they're getting as far as minutes and output. They're both damaging, but they're only short of stint props. I, I wouldn't pay six fifty seven hundred. That's for sure. Yeah, but you know, you uh, my rule. But when I did real estate before, I went down to Canberra, and that's the line I always used to hear: "You're worth what someone's willing to pay you." Yeah. So whether we disagree or not, if clubs want to pay that money, good on them. Uh, Jason Deering, when teams are eight points behind, they get a penalty. Why do they never take the penalty goal? Because uh, eight to ten, there's no difference. He says they try to get the try first and then hope to get a penalty to tie it up after. In the NFL, even when a team is way behind, they always go for the field goal. Difference in philosophy. Yeah, I think more so that mentality seems negative, I guess, to take the two at the time and back yourself afterwards. While you're down there in your infield position, you may not get back there. So I guess teams just take the opportunity while they're down inside 20 or whatever Very to keep going. Games. Uh, Jimbo, is there time for a crackdown on blockers off kicks? We see one or two penalties a game, but then the next one, you yes. said the same thing, it doesn't happen. Yes, there needs to be a clear-cut rule on it. Yeah, we've talked about this a million times, that they've got to blow all of them or blow none of them to stop people similar to all the other penalties they've got. Sam Knox, who do you think is Penrith's best option at fullback? I don't trust Dallin. Dallin? Well, right now, yeah, he's, he's it. The only other bloke who could play there realistically is Farah. He's played there a bit it's during Dallin. the juniors, but I think for kick return purposes, Dallin's your man. Uh, Jason again said, which player do you think had the most potential but just never had the heart or was too lazy to reach it? I reckon Dave, Dave Taylor. Taylor. Yeah, well, I was about to say, we could both about to say Dave Taylor. He's got that one there. Uh, only played well on a contract year, basically. I think we agree on that. Yeah. Yeah. Simon Fraser, should Boyd Corden be picked for origin merely because he's the incumbent captain? Is he even that good in general? He's I, pretty good. Yeah, Simon, I, I'm, I, lean, I lean your way a little bit. Because uh, I don't think he's playing well enough to be selected at the moment, but he's done the job for us in the past, and he he will be selected for game one. So I think it's wasted energy. And is he that good? That question. I he, think he's a handy player. I think on his best day, he's outstanding. Scored the only try in the World Cup final last December. Effort. He's tackle tech. Did he he, run, he scored the only try for Australia. It wasn't six 0 that game. Something. Yeah. Like that, yeah. I, I think he's outstanding on his best form. But again, a back rower is dictated too. But you're coming off the edge. He's always willing to have a yardage carry. His contact's good. He runs good lines. He's willing to have a dirty carry. Uh, he's a good football. Yeah. There's no doubt about it. Uh, I don't think you can question that. That's for sure. Uh, what have we got here? George Cornetis, your thoughts on Mick Innes's comments on Bryce Cartwright and Brennan's response? What do you, I didn't see what. Um, no idea. Garth Brennan had to say, but I'm not sure he could have anything to say because, um, look, I thought Ennis's comments were spot on. Yeah. Janice Mateus says, do you think the Storm were particularly focused on the niggle rather than playing the game? Smith's elbow to Lattimore's throat no. and Slater running no. to the right seems to have gone without notice with McInnes try and the elbow to Smith's kegs. No. It was give and take. They're all given and taken. Yeah. I think there's feeling in every single game. Uh, David White, do you ever think there'll be a legal challenge if the video ref stuffed up in the NRL, GF? a la A-League stuff up. It was a big stuff up. Yeah, well, like I said. It was a big stuff up. Um, what was the question? Do you think there would ever be Do you one? think there would ever be a legal challenge if video ref stuffed up in the NRL a la the A-League stuff I've got no idea. I, I, 
Yeah, well, how, how do you do that? Because and then are you just going to be able to legally challenge every decision that was wrong? I know it's on a massive scale in the fact that it was a grand final, but it was in the eighth minute. They had plenty of chances to draw that game up or win it. So oh, I don't know. What do you think? I don't think you'd ever see something like that from the NRL side of things. It's yeah, uh, uh, yeah. I, I I get where they're coming from the other night, and it could have changed the complete outlook of that game because it happened in the eighth minute. But what's done is done. It's in the history books. It was going to happen. It happened in America first. Yeah, and you're not really seeing it in America, so no. Uh, the last one we got here, Joel Braddocker. Surely Callum Ponga has to goal kick for Newcastle this week. Yes, he has missed a few of late, but I'm sure he's a better option than Cancio. Maybe Brown has taken the responsibility off him as he a lot of, has a lot on his plate already. Or KP just acts himself until he practices more. Well, he started off kicking quite well, and then he just was just pulling it a little bit. So I was surprised he gave it away. Uh, yeah, there's a little bit more pressure on him because Pierce is out, but he gave that away in that game before Pierce got injured, just because he was kicking poorly. Yeah. Uh, with Kent Sam, a lot more likely to be dropped out of the side at some stage, in my opinion. I want Ponga kicking regardless of the slump. Correct. Um, plain and simple. I agree. So I'd stick with him there. We move on. From uh, the questions, big thanks for them to the last part of the night, which is obviously our tips and our betting segment brought to you by the Pro Sports Syndicate Boxhead. Our mates Matt and Will and all the boys over there, full-time punters, living the life, loving life. They're living it all. They give packages for all sorts of things. Their NFL package had a 27% profit margin. Their horsemen, I've been seeing some of their tips lately. They're doing quite well yeah. as well. So if you're into the horses, look up the Pro Sports Syndicate and have a look at the uh, setup there. But uh, it, like everybody, the rugby league's been a bit of a hard... One to pick this year, and I think that you get those lines each week in particular. Yeah. But this week, uh, they had a total uh, in the bets. I think the outlayer was close to 1,800. They came in a little bit under. They think they got back about 1,650. So for the season so far, they're running at minus three, but they've been edging their way closer back to even. They had the Titans with the start, and that was the one that absolutely killed me. Absolutely killed me. So... I had a, a three-leg multi, I think it was, with, with their bets. Um, they had Cronulla minus. Was it Cronulla minus? Yeah, they had the line or the handicap for the Cronulla. No, Parramatta sorry, game. they had Parramatta plus. Yeah, they had Away the... plus. Uh, and that, that came in with that late surge from Parramatta. They took the Dragons as well, minus the start, and that yeah. got them a win. So in the line betting again, they were pretty good in that circumstance. Uh, you know, they had a couple of little... Prop bets there. Dane Gagai to score a try. That one paid out, obviously, in that game. North Queensland, they had the first and second half handicaps on Penrith and North Queensland. Had a couple of wins there. But yeah. usually those main ones that we talk about every week are the line bets. So uh, their form's getting a bit better. They're almost back to evens. But things are starting to sort themselves out a bit more. I think tipping is getting a bit easier after getting a lot of fours. Hopefully it stays that way. Yeah. Uh, but probably the biggest thing is just been a lot of injuries early on. I think that's made tipping a lot harder as well because yeah. week to week teams are constantly well, it's chopping. It's not getting any easier. And changing. But uh, the offer, as you all know, with the Pro Sports Syndicate, if you're, lot, if you're punting on the NRL, if you're a serious punter, you can register. We have the link we post up every single week there. You get half price for all their tips to start off with, $99 for your first month. If you don't get a profit percentage off the tips you get sent for that month, you get the next month free. No locking contracts. Cancel any time. And like I said, if you're going to be punting seriously... Why not get tips off people that do it for a living? Yep. Uh, we, we haven't been doing too great so far. The charity bets, unfortunately. We've had a lot of uh, multis where we've had two legs get up and a third leg go down and some bits and pieces go ordinary in us. But hopefully we'll right that wrong very, very soon. But Pro Sports Syndicate, football, horses, you name it. If you've got an interest, they've got a package for you. Yeah. Uh, getting into our tips and our gossip. Jack Bird from Mr. Gossip, like I said before, unlikely to see out the year. 
Oh, sorry, to see out his Broncos deal. He's told his manager, according to Mr. Gossip, similar to what I said earlier, get onto the phone to New, New South Wales clubs. I want out. Big news. Well, big, big if news. it is there, true. Well, there was, uh, Smoke there before was murmurs got there. last year, yeah, exactly, yeah. that he didn't even want to go there. So, so oh, Just ridiculous. Don't go. Talk, he, like I said, he even started a bit of a brush fire, a bit of back and forth, and a bit of banner between all. I, just, I think it more reflects poorly on the bloke than anything else. Fair. Can't. Stick to your word, not happy there, getting paid an exorbitant amount of money, unhappy before you even got there, and now playing poor when you're there and giving ultimatums to legendary coaches. It's not exactly all right. boding well, if it's true, mind you, but uh, where there's smoke, there's fire. Correct. Second one, Mr. Gossip has got here is Ricky Stewart still wants Corey Norman badly. He's happy to do a player swap, and apparently he's offering Blake Austin. So I don't know if that's going to cut the deal, Ricky, or whether Parramatta would be interested in that swap. Um, you know, it's a significant change in contracts, I'd assume, because Blake's going to be off contract next year anyway. Would Parramatta be willing to pay him what he wants to be able to get him to go there or agree? Maybe not. I've heard him on Triple M Sunday NRL saying he knocked back big offers and now he's getting smaller ones and they're testing the market. I don't think anyone's offering Blake Austin big money right now. So I don't think there's any benefit in Parramatta letting him go. They'd want something more substantial. The player they were talking about getting was Paulo this year and swapping them over if they were happy to move on from him. Clearly, they weren't, and they've already got Paulo anyway. So, mm-hmm. Parramatta doesn't need to do any favours for Ricky Stewart at this point in time. You wouldn't think so. Nope. Uh, Michael Maguire, likely to get the New Zealand job over Hasler, and we got this earlier this afternoon. I've seen an article posted up saying something similar. So, Mr. Gossip was on the money there, I think. He said Maguire would be the likely one to get the job, and yeah. it looks that way. Do we really care? Not really. No. Uh, and the last one we've got here is the Cowboys want... Valentine Holmes and they're willing to make a massively ridiculous offer but you apparently have a bit of gossip on Valentine Holmes yourself I've got gossip that he will be at the Tigers before June 30 you think even with Dugan injured in the situation they're in they'd be willing to do so that's just the mail I got today because they've already told and I'm obviously coaching there and I haven't got that from anyone within the club that that information hasn't come from within the club Mm. but that's information that I've been told from two different people today um, and that was more from the Cronulla side. So, um, interesting. Yeah, it's something that's that's crossed my phone twice today. So, where there's smoke, there's fire. So, there's got to be, there must be something going on behind the scenes. Mm. Well, have to wait and see. Whether but... it's a bluff or whether it's, who knows what it is. But that's that's certainly what I've heard today off two fairly reliable sources. All right. Well, there you go. There's Mr. Gossip's Gossip for the week. And now into our tips and our betting. Thanks to the Pro Sports Syndicate. Uh, last week, I got seven. Uh, the Cowboys, the only one I got wrong. Gossip, he got seven. I think he got the Eels wrong. He's tipped them every single week, basically, yep. so far. You got five. But as we said, the Broncos game is probably the one that swayed everything. Yeah, it did. Um, if the Broncos game goes the opposite way, we'll all get six. So yeah. I'm on 44. You're on 41. Gossip on 39. Slowly crawling his way back into the first game we have this week. Tigers versus the Cowboys, Thursday night, Leichhardt Oval uh, for the Tigers. Russell Packer returns at prop. Sue goes to the bench. Grant's out of the side. Lawrence has been named despite a head knock, and Little is back on the bench instead of Godinay. Cowboys, they are unchanged, and Bolton has obviously been able, approved to play by the NRL while he goes through the legal process, much like Orvar and a lot of other guys in the past. He's not playing, but he's back in North Queensland. Oh, they've got him here, his name, and he's yeah. going to say he's playing, and he got approved to play, so if not... Uh, looking at that, I'd guess Francis Moller or Sam Hall will come in as one of the forward I'd replacements. Be, but I'd be shocked if he played. Who are you tipping in this one? The Tigers. All right. You're on the Tigers. I'm going to go Why the Cowboys. Pack it back. I looked at that, and I know the short turnaround, but I think for the Cowboys, if they're ever going to strike, now is the time, regardless of the ground, 
the team they're playing against, uh, they've got to get at least two more wins, I think, for Origin. So I'm going the Cowboys. Mr. Gossip also going the Cowboys. And the odds for this one, thanks to the Pro Sports Syndicate, $1.76 are the Cowboys, $2.08 for the Tigers, uh, minus one and a half is the line. One to twelve Cowboys, three ten, three twenty Tigers, thirteen plus four dollars, five dollars for the Tigers. Second game is the Knights versus the Panthers, and a difficult one because the Panthers keep suffering injuries. On the Newcastle front, uh, Captain, oh sorry, Coach Nathan Brown not happy. So Liam is back in at halfback. Jack Cogger is dropped out of the side altogether. Josh King comes from cup straight into starting prop with Lilliman dropped completely out of the side. Uh, you've got Luke Yates and Danny Levi called onto the bench. Jamie Bura is in the reserves. Safidi's in the reserves. Mitch Barnett and Anguera swap between back on a lock. So he's made some pretty big changes there. Mm. Lilliman's out altogether. Uh, Lamb well, straight got, back uh, in. So I've got absolutely zero idea how this game's going to go. I'm tipping the Panthers. I'm going to tip Newcastle. All right. Well, I'm looking at the Panthers, and even with Laota missing out, I still think the Ford pack, um, you know, with Reek and Campbell Gillard, Kikau, Harawu and Ira, Fisher Harris on the bench, Katoa, Ellis, Tami, I think there's enough there. Jerome Luai, name right. to make his debut. Um, if Louis Toso gets a debut in the 19 jersey there, I like him. Tyron Mays in that squad. Egan, you don't need to carry Egan. Tyron Mays, an interesting one. He's been named. You don't want to carry Egan while you've got Katoa, and Katoa can at least play third end if you need him to. So. Well, they're not. He's in the reserves, not the Yeah, I, I have, even despite the patch-up job there, I think Penrith can get the job done. There's a lot of changes for Newcastle. The halves thing, chopping and changing, I still don't have a lot of confidence in that pairing. Um, and Lamb didn't look that great the other week when me and you watched him in cut confidence-wise either. So uh, Fair. Probably the big thing here, and I can understand why you guys in Gossip also tip Newcastle, is it's in Newcastle. And Penrith obviously suffering another injury yeah, doesn't I, help. I've got no idea. So Hetherington out. The funny one is Trent Merrin's been named, despite... He's been named. The finger, the compound dislocation and the fracture. So is it back in the skin? Can they tape it up? Can he play? Who knows? But if him and Laota are out, that's a pretty big blow. So I'm having a lot of faith in the Panthers there, but we'll see what happens. They are the favourites at $1.65 though with the Pro Sports Syndicate. two twenty-five for the Newcastle Knights. Minus three and a half is the line. One to 12 Panthers, $3.350 Knights. 13 plus 340 the Panthers, five fifty. For the Knights. Dogs, Eels, difficult game. Two desperate teams for the Dogs. Josh Jackson's back to the second row. Martin, Reese Martin on debut, now moves to lock. Runoff Tormaga finally debuts on the bench. Clay Priest is out of the side. For the Eels, Kaiser Pritchard is injured with a groin, and Tim Manor has fractured eye socket. They're both out. Will Smith is starting hooker, and Bo Scott is back onto the bench. Vave is also named. This one's difficult, but I'm going the Bulldogs off the effort I've seen. Very, very, very difficult game. I'll go the Eels. And Mr. Gossip, he's also gone the Eels. Uh, I just think, again, flat wheat last week. I think they could bounce back. I think Manor, uh, you know, they're already a bit lighter on the front row. I think Vave probably brings a little bit. I think Manor being out is good. I think Vave brings a little bit more, you know, with his footwork and that. But Will Smith playing nine for a whole game. I don't think that's going to happen. I think Cameron King somehow gets recalled into this side in some spot, or if not, Kenny Edwards gets some time at nine. But uh, nine's an issue we've been speaking at for a couple of years for Parramatta. Yeah. They are the favourites, though, of the Pro Sports Syndicate, $1.80. The Dogs, two hundred two minus one and a half is a line. One to 12, Eels, $3.320 for the Dogs. 13 plus Eels, $4.30, uh, sorry, $5 for the Dogs. Warriors, Roosters, the Roosters are unchanged despite... Uh, the way things have been going, they have to wait and see though what happens with Victor Radley, who, if you look it up right now, I'm pretty sure they would say if his charge got downgraded. Otherwise, I think he's going to be missing for a week. I'm not too sure the outcome of that case. 
The Warriors, Mason Lino's back in at halfback. Isaac Luke's been named despite now having a knee problem and a dislocated shoulder. Simon Mannering starting in the back row. Isaiah Papali back to the bench and Adam Blair's been named. So it's in New Zealand. I don't care uh, who's in or out for this one. I'm going to be back in the Warriors. Yeah, Warriors. What I've seen so far from the Roosters, it's pretty hard to tip them until they show me something. Correct. Mr. Gossett, though, he's gone the opposite way. He's gone the Roosters to find some form over there in New Zealand and the Pro Sports Syndicate. The odds, the Warriors are the favourites at $1.76. 208 for the Roosters, minus two the line. One to twelve Warriors, three dollars three forty for the Roosters, three seventy five thirteen plus for the Warriors, five dollars for the Roosters. Storm versus Titans. Uh, the Storm have got Curtis Scott back in their side, named in case uh, he is out. Olam is in the reserves again. Fanukin's back to start the lock with Bromwich back to the bench. So still no Jesse, still no Glasby for another couple of weeks. On the Titans side of things, massive changes. Uh, obviously, AJ Brimson, the young kid, he's going into 5'8". Cartwright's back to the bench. Brendan Elliott and Conrad Hurrell are both dropped from the side. Dale Copley's back in and Branko Lee is getting a game in the centres. Jai Arrow is out with Jared Wallace moving to lock and Ryan James shifts back to the front row. Will Matthews is back in the back row. Ryan Simpkins drops off the bench. Nathan Peets is in the reserves list. Might come back. Storming easy. I'm on the storm as well. Way too many changes. Hard game for a debutant. Uh, expect to see more effort, but... Yeah, going to be a hard one, and the odds reflect it. A dollar seventeen from the Pro Sports Syndicate. Five dollars is a double header, isn't it? That yeah, game? yeah, yeah. Five dollars uh, for the Titans minus fourteen and a half. And we rolled you guys in that game last year. Sure so. did. Uh, we only lost four games last year too. We've already lost four this year. One to twelve the Storm. Three twenty six fifty for the Titans. Thirteen plus the Storm. A dollar seventy two. Fifteen dollars the Titans. Manly Brisbane flip a coin. Manly showed a fair bit last week effort wise, but just couldn't get the job done. They are unchanged. No surprise, given the circumstances. For the Broncos, Jack Bird, the halves experiment's done for now. He has moved back to the centres. Opachak back to the bench, which I don't even agree with. I think Opachak's been playing well in the centres. Um, so that's a bit harsh there. Cody Nickarum is back into the halfback spot. And Payne Haas got named, and I don't know how. He got knocked out and has syndesmosis. So you can basically look at the bench right now and say he's not going to be in. Uh, Tagatizi, Todd Murphy, Pearson, or Mago. I'd say Tagatizi goes under the bench. So I'm going to tip the Broncos because it's up there. Yeah, Broncos. But not overly convinced. If Manly play like they did last week, particularly the way their middles worked, I think they could cause the Broncos some real trouble. Yeah, I agree. But uh, just for now, I think Manly invested a lot into last week. Can they do that two weeks in a row? I, I think that was a pretty disappointing loss yesterday. Mm. That, that, that would have hurt, I think. Uh, and you're on the Broncos, as is Mr. Gossip. So we're a clean sweep there. And with the pro... Sports Syndicate, 245 for Manly, $1.55 on the Broncos. Minus four and a half is the line. One to 12 Broncos, 310, 360 Manly. 13 plus Broncos, $3, $6 Manly. Game of the round for me, Dragons versus South. You've got the Twins who are going great guns in that left side attack. And Sam returns to the team here. Cameron Murray, who's a gun, goes back to the bench. So this is probably close to their strongest lineup, you'd have to say, yeah. or so far this year, given form. Dragons, they're unchanged as well. The only thing that happens is Zach Lomax has been rotated into that bench spot uh, to possibly get his NRL debut. So who do you like in this one? Do you think South can exact some revenge maybe against this Dragon side or do you think the Dragons will keep winning, marching on to Jesus. the origin period? Um, well, I think South did everything but beat the Dragons, didn't they? Yeah. You know, in that game a few weeks ago. Well, they defended very well considering the amount of pressure on and the weight of possession. They went down the other end, found a try or two, but had the same kind of issue. They couldn't really get the points on the board, yeah, could they? they so. get um, Burgess. Burgess back. I'm going to tip the upset. I'm going to say South will win this game. Yeah. 
But you know that that's only because I think the Dragons are going so well, and I think they're going to lose lose again eventually. Shortly. Yeah, yeah. Well, I considered it. I'm going to stick with the Dragons, but the only team besides the Sharks dragging them into two scraps before injuries, and then the other game, obviously, or the penalty goals, Neil discipline that has threatened them has been. Uh, obviously, South the Warriors beat them, but South put a legitimate case up, defended their line very, very well. I think the main thing for me right now is that they've been very, very good on their right hand edge. And what I saw from South last week, they need to patch that up this week. Yeah. If they're as loose on the right edge as New, uh, they were against Newcastle, I think Ben Hunt, Frizzell, uh, that edge there will find some love. So interesting to see uh, how that plays on the weekend. But this is going to be a cracker game of football. And Mr. Gossip, he's tipped the Dragons as well. They're the favourites at a dollar forty-eight with the Pro Sports Syndicate. Two sixty-five for South. Minus six is the line. Uh, Three seventy-five, one to twelve for South. Three ten Dragons. Thirteen plus two seventy for the Dragons. Seven dollars for South. And the last game of the round, Canberra Raiders versus the Cronulla Sharks. Junior Paulo, uh, he's out of this one, so they've got Boydie starting at prop, and Charlie Gubb goes on the bench. Otherwise, they're unchanged for the Sharks. Bakuya goes into the back row for Wade Graham. Paul Gallen goes back into lock with Paulo back to the bench and Sorensen's out. Jack Williams, former Canberra Raider, who's been playing some reserve grade, gets his debut on the bench. So a uh, hard one this one, I reckon. Sunday afternoon in Canberra. They've been playing quite well. I don't think it's hard at all. Paulo's a hard one. Raiders. You're on the Raiders. Mr. Gossip is on the Sharks, and I'm going to give Raiders benefit at home. Uh, if they win this one, I'll be a little bit more convinced. So see how the form line goes and... They're the favourites at home with the Pro Sports Syndicate, $1.55, dollar fifty-five, two forty-five for the Sharks, minus four and a half is the line. One to twelve, three dollars uh, for the Raiders, three sixty for the Sharks, thirteen plus for the Raiders, three ten, six dollars for the Sharks. And there you go, that wraps us up. Big thank you to the Penrose Solar Centre. Make sure if you give them a call, you're looking for any quotes for your power bills there and how you can save that you mentioned the podcast. Talk to Jake and the boys there. Uh, Poker Deluxe, any football clubs out there, anyone for a Bucks party, any bits and pieces, you can do that there. Corporate games, uh, if you're looking just to learn how to play cards, www.pokerdeluxe.com.au. $100 off when you mention the fifth and last NRL podcast for anyone who's looking for a fundraiser for your football club. Depend Boltmaster, if you're in a trade, you need some help there, you need your gear, look no further than Wallace and the boys in the pulp than Pen Boltmaster. They can give you all associated products regardless of your trade. Uh, and obviously the Pro Sports Syndicate, that offer there from Matt, Will, and the boys. Professional punters, they do it for a living. $99 for your first month. If you do not get a return on your tips, you get your next month for free. No locking contracts cancel any time. And our charity sponsors, Brock, from the Great Walk Foundation, as we did last year from that luncheon that paid, have to say thank you to Mark and everyone at Full Spectrum Services. They're Western Sydney's leader in pest control, pool fence certification, and commercial cleaning. So their service is diverse, but core values, rock solid, amazing people, fantastic service, and brilliant outcomes. Uh, contact Mark and the team on 0430220263, Facebook and the website, fullspectrumservices.com.au. And Insignia Hair and Day Spa, 47223503, located at York Road, Penrith, Unit 14 of 69. If you want award-winning hairdressers, Day Spa, Beauty Salon, Massage, and Nail Parlor, want to spoil yourself or your partner, Look no further. Insignia has all bases covered for men and for women. Treat yourself. Get the works done. Spoil yourself by the team at Insignia. They cover every aspect of relaxation and beauty. Boom. Bang. There you go. Support our sponsors. Uh, as I've said, um, it's a bit of a difference this year. I know for some people listening to ads on the show, but um, you know we love having people on board supporting the show and what we do. Uh, if you can in any way, if they're in with reach of you, support them. Mention the podcast. 
do yourself a favor, do us a favor. Big thank you to everyone again for listening and all the questions. Make sure you rate, review us on iTunes. But more importantly, for now, enjoy your week and enjoy your rugby league. Bring it on. Give us more. Give us more. Where are you going? Where, what, 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 what's going on here? Is that it? Is that it? Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.